Accountability. What does accountability look like in daytime television? The talk is back on the air after a racist episode, and they might for real be doing something different. Also, the passing of rap legend DMX. And how black liberation means different things to different black people. It's Tea with Queen and Jay. Drink up. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I like to, on my lunch break, since I'm working from home, watch The Equalizer mm-hmm. on Mondays. But it's not coming Same. back until, I think, the 2nd. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know there was a date for their return. Yeah. I knew there was no episode today. And I, and there was no episode last week either. And I was annoyed. Yes. So I didn't know I had to wait until next month. I know we're almost there. But still. Yeah. We have to wait a little, wow. a little something. something. So wow. that was a little disappointing. I still persevered. It is. Still was continued being a bad bitch for the work day. Survived. But I, that was that's my Monday treat. I do enjoy watching Queen yeah, Latifah. I love that show. You know, not really fight crime, but you know, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. And I didn't get to do that. She's like, she's bringing for real, like, justice. She's bringing justice. She's working outside of the law. Yeah. It's delicious. She always helps a black woman or a black girl every single episode even if the main person that she saves is white at the beginning of the episode she'll curse somebody out on behalf of an old black lady standing in this Mm -hmm. in the shot okay like every episode they make sure and honestly that's why i'm there all right (laughs) i want to see what black person what marginalized black person are you gonna help is she gonna advocate for you know what i'm saying yes yes it makes me feel good every week i love that show that's for anybody who doesn't know we're talking about the equalizer is on cbs and it stars queen latifah and she be punching men in the face riding motorcycles and shit i love it with her ring her ringlet curls riding motorcycles i love it (laughs) i love it queen latifah always has the bounciest hair like it doesn't Hair is always bouncing. It could be on cornrows, and the shit would still bounce. Like I don't understand. Well, if it's in cornrows, she'll leave a, a little bit out. She'll leave a little she'll curly bang out in the front fine. or something like that. Yeah, it's always something. But <laughs> we look forward to its return. That is our our delight. TV delight. Welcome, Welcome to, to Tea with, with Queen and Jay. We are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea, dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism, one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And this is Tea with Queen and Jay. If you would like to follow the conversation being had on this here podcast, podcast, use the hashtag T with QJ. We love when you use that on other social meds. We also love when you use the hashtag pod in and that allows other folks on that hashtag find T with Queen and J. If you are not already follow us on the social meds, we're on Instagram and Twitter at T with QJ. We are also on Tumblr and the Facebook follow us there we love to hear from you so send us t-mail as well at t with queen and j at gmail.com you can send us questions comments silly things serious things all feedback is welcome and the t-mail so hit us up there that's right every week we pour libations for the people places and things giving us black ass black joy queen what are you pouring libations for this week i want to pour libations to my niece nadia she organized Mm. a protest advocating for black lives in her small little white ass town of scranton pennsylvania and i'm just happy that she just woke up one day and just ignited to like do that and gather people to like do that i am from the bronx i've always lived in new york city and i've never 
been in spaces where everything around me was like extremely white as that. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I would wake up and still organize a protest, stand on the street in this white ass town, being the obvious minority. And I say minority in terms of numbers because I hate the term minority, but just to clarify mm-hmm. and be like, nah, Black Lives Matter, you know, all of that stuff. People screaming at her from their cars, all lives matter. My niece is in her, mm. I think you're 21. She listens. I'm saying it like she's like, here (laughs) she's 21 and she looks like a baby like she probably looks like she's 15 so you're a grown-ass crusty-ass white-ass adult yelling at these little kids talking about all lives matter like get a life well that is their life white supremacy is their life so i just wanted Mm -hmm. to pour libations to my niece because that took a lot and i'm just proud of you so libations to the Yes, libations and dear. That's dope. That is fucking dope. What are you pouring libations for, Jay? I want to pour libations to the community, Mm -hmm. to specifically our Black Baddie Brigade podcast community. I have a, uh, I got a job. Uh, Jay got a job. job podcasting, doing podcast producing. So I'm excited about that. Got to have a J-O-B if you want to be I got a job, <laughs> a J-A-W-B. So, yeah, so that's really been cool. It's it's doing something I want to do on a project that I'm interested mm-hmm. in. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm thankful to the community for sharing opportunities and shit. Dope. I was not expecting to be working right now in this moment. But it's good. It I'm here for it. it. I'm here for it. It was mad fast. I was like, wait, what? So, yeah, so that's that's been dope. I also want to support libations for Queer Walk Podcast. They recently did an episode talking about black queer folks in present day pop culture. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. It was thoughtful. It was insightful analysis of what all's going on and who all's there and shit. And yeah, it was just it was just yeah, fun. It was a fun. It was episode, a fun I, I like pop culture shit. Mm-hmm. I like analyzing pop culture. I don't mind if it gets heady and academic, but I also like when it's fun and when it's like involves like how do we feel about what we're watching watching yep. and shit like that so right. so that was really cool i'll leave the link to that episode in the show notes it's episode 103 black blaq black pop endless possibilities with black queer femme that was their guest and their guest was fantastic so again the link to that will be in the show notes so please check that shit out queen can you tell folks how they can support tea with queen and jay podcast yes i can so as always we want you to take care of yourself first but remember that this podcast runs on your support so there are two ways that you can donate to tea with queen and jay you can go to our website tea with queen and jay.com slide down on our homepage, and there is where we have two options two our first option is our paypal option where you can donate any amount at any time and our second option is our patreon option where we ask for a monthly commitment of two dollars a month two dollars you can give more or less we will appreciate that shit and give you a bonus episode every month on patreon we also like when you share this podcast on social media tell a friend and rate and review us on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts all of that helps tea with clean and jay grow and a special thank you to everyone who has reviewed us on apple Podcasts. we read all of those reviews and we appreciate them please leave a five-star review if you haven't already and thanks in advance to the people who are about to give us a review right now i know you have your phone in your hand and you're doing all of that stuff so thank you if you'd like to sponsor us if you'd like to hear your ad on tea with queen and jay podcast or see it on social media email us at tea with queen and jay at gmail.com if you'd like to hire us to speak virtually at your school or organization about white supremacist patriarchal capitalism dismantling white supremacy in the workplace womanism black feminism podcasting or some shit you've heard us discuss on the podcast 
Or if you'd like us to do a virtual live show or consult you or your team, send us your team mail at tbwithqueenandj at gmail.com. We got some donation libations this week. Libations to our Patreon supporters. We actually did an extra episode on Patreon this month, or we're doing one this month. We recorded it. That should drop uh, this week. We um, missed last week due to some technical difficulties. So we decided to do an extra episode on the Patreon. So again, when you all support us via Patreon, that is a support for this podcast that we do every week. And as a thank you, we post bonus episodes on Patreon. Queen, who are our new Patreon subscribers? So we have Crystal, Daryl, SD, Alifia, Tanika, up there, Plats. Thank you for that. And we have Steven. And Steven says, I have been listening to y'all for a few years now. I commit and put a ring on it. Love y'all. Now I need to get caught up a couple of episodes behind. Thanks, all of your new patrons. Thank you. We also got PayPal donations from the homie Mila. Thank you so much. Deborah and Deborah says, Happy new month to you both. Sending this as a birthday gift to myself. Love to Jay for what she, they shared on the Patreon episode. And also to Queen for being an affirming friend. Love from Deborah in London. Thank you so much, Deborah. And thank you to everybody who was supportive of that episode on Patreon. Thank you so much. Dre says, snacks. Wish I could do more, but if I got a few extra coins, please believe y'all got some motherfucking snacks. (laughs) Enjoy. Thank you so much, Dre. John says, love y'all OD. Appreciate y'all's authenticity and grace in how you unpack all things. I hope y'all get your snacks, roses, and concoctions through 2021 and beyond. Flower emoji, heart emoji, flame fire thank you john flames that was like my hip-hop fire noise but i don't know if that no i heard okay, it okay 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 it came across it came across to me okay cool 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 all right adrian the homie adrian says here's some snacks on me just wanted to remind you that the work you do helps so many of us become better people and more knowledgeable about the ways we may be causing harm while giving us the tools to stop causing harm and improve ourselves. For example, the convo about gender and the various labels used and their meanings was something I had never fully understood and hadn't really thought about learning more about. But you guys did the research and labor for us and hopefully now we can support our friends affected by this better and they don't have to extend labor educating us because you took the time to give us the in-depth understandings we didn't have. So again, thanks for your needed and appreciated labor of combining entertainment with valuable education unless you spend this money on a bagel peeps or candy corn then i want my money back uh devil emoji and oh nana nana emoji who doesn't like bagels i don't know bagels are delicious i love a good bagel it's a cousin to regular ass toast probably pulls the bread out you know those people who pull i'm like why are you wasting all of that bread sometimes why put too much bread in bagels it's a bagel bagel. go get you an english muffin I love the English mom. Get get Wait, those. I do. Wasting all of that bagel anyway. bread. Anyway, <laughs> are you ready to get into the show? Yeah, let's get into the show. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> what kind of tea are you drinking? I am not drinking tea because right now all my tea is caffeinated in my house, and I don't want to do that and be up all night. 
So I am not mm-hmm. drinking tea. I do have some water okay. here as my libation, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. Water is good. Water is good. Um, what kind of tea are you drinking? This is a coffee day. Mm-hmm. This okay. is a coffee day. It's right. another coffee day. Gotcha. Decaf though. Decaf. Mm-hmm. I do have work to do tonight, but it, I am on my decaf. I'm not trying to be up forever. I feel you. Which is what my body likes to do. My body just be like, let's just be up forever. <laughs> let's like, who cares? Let's be awake forever. We do what we want. It's either let's let's yeah, let's be awake forever or let's never wake up. <laughs> That's that's <laughs> that's what my body is doing right now. Anyway, what are your pronouns? She, her, what are your pronouns? She, her, they, them, and separate from my pronouns, I am not a lady. And what are you affirming for yourself this week? I am affirming that I am well-rested. I'm affirming that I am balanced. And I am also grounded. Because lately I've been feeling like, well, not lately. I like it. But sometimes I feel like I'm floating. And it's like, bitch grounded i think this morning i was floating that's why i thought i could wake up that early no bitch grounded right <laughs> so that's what i'm affirming or do you feel like you're slipping and falling and can't, and can't get, get up ah about the same part but it didn't come out right but yeah okay. i do so that's why i need to be grounded you are right all right dmx for everybody what are you affirming for yourself? I affirm being able to fall asleep and getting a full night's rest mm-hmm. and waking up feeling rested and ready for the day like SpongeBob. You know how SpongeBob, <laughs> SpongeBob be like, I'm ready. Just be up and ready. No matter what it is, just ready, spry, eyes wide she open. She do be ready. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I want to be ready like SpongeBob. Matt prepared for work with his spatula and shit. Yes. Prepared. <laughs> eager excited you know what i'm saying not easily let down or disappointed just ready 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 to endure another day of people's bullshit without like feeling like it's bullshit you know what i'm saying and he also doesn't let squigworth's energy rub off on him and it's like no i'm still that's right yo i want to be ready like spongebob i feel you that's a good one so that's what i'm affirming for myself this Mm -hmm. week yo that's what i affirm so last whenever we (laughs) talked about (laughs) (laughs) we talked about sharon osborne's karen ass defending piers morgan on twitter and on her former show the talk Mm -hmm. after piers was called out for dismissing megan markle's claims of racism that she had experienced as a member of the royal family sharon's co-host gave her the opportunity to explain what she would say in response to folks who found it odd of her to support someone who has done and said racist shit. And she went into full Karen mode, yelling on the set, telling her black co-host not to dare cry and all kinds of micro aggressive shit. So we had a full discussion about this on episode 285. Cheryl's friend is racist. The talk, which is a show that like we know comes on, but never watch. Never watch. And I want to know if y'all watch this show, could y'all let us know? Because I'm curious about <laughs> who's watching it. Like, we hear about it when it pops up on a timeline. We're like, oh, okay, cool. But I want to know who's tapping into yeah. this show. You know, who's watching it? I guess if I had a, like, TV on the wall, maybe I would turn it on for background noise or whatever. But I'm just curious. Yeah. I am curious, too. Yeah, yeah. So the talk then, after this whole incident with Sharon going full Karen, the talk then went on a hiatus. Sharon Osbourne quit or got fired, which it feels very much like a got firing kind of situation. Or released out her contract type shit. Mm -hmm. She got $10 million to vanish. That's another reason why I wonder who the fuck is watching. Where does the talk get $10 million (laughs) to give somebody who's not going to be on the show no more? Like, I get it, 
but also they were paying her a hefty sum. Where is the talk getting this money yeah. from? What is the drug laundering scheme that is funding the talk? Well, the show has been around for what, 11 seasons or some 10 or 11 yeah. seasons? Somebody's right, fucking right, watching right. it. We just don't know who those people are. But someone it. is watching it because they could afford this to pay like her the- $10 million after she made them lose a month worth of advertising revenue because yes. they weren't on there because of her. That's mad money that you know this is like them white podcasts that you hear about that you never heard of in your whole <laughs> life and the host of the podcast be making a million dollars a year because it's mad random white folks yes. listening Listen to, to it. it there are so many white folks in this country there's so <laughs> many of them <laughs> well you know there are so many of them works. watching things listening to things paying for things buying things there's just so many <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyway. Oh my goodness. So I guess that's who's watching the show. But if any of y'all watch the show, even if you're white, whoever y'all are that watch the show and also listen to this podcast, could you just raise your hand? I want to know. I Yeah, because I literally never set eyes on that show mm-hmm. until Sharon was wilding. And then we watched that one episode to yes. do research for the show. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> after a month of being off the air, we saw some shit that we had never seen on daytime television, never ever, ever in our whole entire black ass lives. Ever. ever. It was so shocking because me and Jay were over this. Like we said what we said. We walked away, moving mm-hmm. on. I happened to go onto the app to watch the Equalizer, CBS, Equalizer. y'all fucking with me. So I went on to see Equalizer. There was no episode or something mm-hmm. that day. So I saw a new, I'm like, wait, a new talk? <laughs> oh, it's back? Oh, I guess the I'll watch this. Now, let what? me see what they doing over there. What they doing? Then I clicked mm-hmm. it, and then I saw something I never saw before. And I was like, never Jay. in our whole entire life. Jay, I've seen something I never saw before. Jay's like, what? And I was like, okay, I guess <laughs> I'll watch this. What you're describing to me sounds boring, but okay whatever and i turned the shit on and some shit i had never seen on my whole in my whole life was happening it was accountability okay (laughs) (laughs) and we've never seen that on network television in that way before so they have this episode so sharon is gone they have four hosts random nameless white lady whose name i think we said on that other episode i don't remember it a random nameless white lady i just remember she's a rocket that's all i remember she was a rapper. right former rockette is on there cheryl underwood mm-hmm. is there elaine welteroth is there so those are the two black co-hosts yeah and carrie cart Car- i don't know she's back <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure of her name but she was one of the judges on dancing with the stars i think so anyway. yes yes and she wasn't there the day of the sharon right stuff. she had been sick throughout this whole fiasco <laughs> So now she's back. Now that Sharon's gone, she's she's finally well again. <laughs> she was on she got on probation on her day off. Like she was not at work. Right. And it was like right. don't come back. So she's back. So it's the four hosts, but then in the middle seat now is a diversity specialist. Okay. I did not expect that. And they're out there using actual, yeah, a whole black person, a black man, diversity specialist. Yes. Talking about structural oppression. Yes, on TV. Anti on TV. And the homes of white moms across the country. Yes. Whoever is watching this. Okay. (laughs) And you know people was watching because this the first episode they're back. Yes. So even if it's people who like us who don't watch that show, but we want to see what they're doing. That's you know what I'm saying? That's how we landed there. (laughs) 
Right. It's people who couldn't wait for the show to come back yeah. and was like, ooh, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I know people watch this show. I'm curious about the ratings. But anyway, yeah. they spend the episode kind of rehashing what happened. But they also, because this diversity specialist is there, they're talking about structural oppression and anti-racism in real terms. Like, real. they're really talking yeah. about what had happened. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So that level of accountability I've never seen. Usually when when incidents like this happen in daytime television, they take the first fucking four minutes when they come on. They do a close up of the host sitting and they quiet things down. They burn a candle in the background (laughs) and the host says, last month, something very serious happened on that show here at the talk or insert show that white people watch we take these incidents very seriously that's your daytime that's your daytime tv voice yeah that's the when i'm making like a, an announcement just to bring us all together and all lives matter mm-hmm. we take these incidents very seriously this has been looked into and we look forward to moving forward together yes. as a community as one because oh the people saying oh black lives matter because black lives matter but more importantly we all matter yes now let's cut to commercial we'll be right back and when we come back (laughs) when we come back joe the pet catcher is here and he's gonna tell us how many animals (laughs) how many animals he's got living on his new farm we'll be right back that's what they do that is is like nah That's exactly yes, what they this, do. I had I've never seen this before. That's what I was expecting. Right, right, right. That's exactly what I was expecting. Then I saw that black man, and I was like, "Wait, <laughs> what? Yes, what, what's he doing here?" And then he said what he does. Well, you can go on and say what he does. And, They're uh, talking about this in real terms or whatever. No, you say you can say what he does. I, I just said he was a diversity specialist. Yeah. What do, you, do you remember him saying something else? No, no. I'm just saying like they said what he does, like you said, but I didn't expect him mm-hmm. to actually do that work. So like you do can, it in real time. Yeah. Like you could hire someone who says that they do that. And as a person who we do trainings and stuff, too. And right. we give very real training. Sometimes people don't want to hire mm-hmm. us back because the shit is too real. So you may in right. our profession water your shit down a little bit, mm-hmm. do all these things to make it a little more white palatable. And it was like, mm-hmm. no. I mean, we're not Jane Elliott. We're not screaming at white people like, why are you crying? We don't do that in our trainings. But yes, I, I feel you. But that's not what that means when I say real trainings. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 it doesn't. But I know that that's a form of training. That is a form oh. of training. So I'm just saying that's not what we do. Nah, I don't even care enough about white people to yell at this. <laughs> why are you crying karen yeah like you feel that shame that shame you feel on the inside karen we feel that every day do you want to wake up black do you do you want to wake up i didn't think so you wouldn't survive the day yeah nah we (laughs) that's not what we do in our training but they are they are very honest but no that's not what we do yeah they're very honest we don't like cocktail around stuff you ask us a question that is harmful we're gonna like Mm -hmm. be direct about whatever and i remember having a conversation brief conversation with someone on twitter when they were saying how a lot of people who do these trainings they don't think that they go in and i'm like because they they don't get hired again (laughs) and for me when i saw this black man he still he was he was doing the work like doing the the fucking work it wasn't even like a watered Mm -hmm. down person nothing i'm like who Mm -hmm. who referred him because like (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. just it was just really nice to see it play out like that them not coddle any of the things that happened Mm -hmm. for them to also affirm the things that cheryl 
Annie Lane was saying that they experienced mm-hmm. and they really centered black women. He also made sure to let them have a lot of the room to speak because those are the people who are harmed. Right. It was just stuff that I'm just like, the way what I would handle it, the right way now. you would handle it, but I've never seen mm-hmm. that happen. Not on a white man's television. Not on right. a white man's television. Mm-mm. Not even on a black man's television, girl. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> It was just, it was, I, I enjoyed seeing just some real shit. Like, nah, right. like, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was wild style. Then, <laughs> that was just the first In half. In the second segment. That was just the first half of the that show. That was the first half, yes. okay. In the second half, uh, they had on a freaking, a black woman trauma expert to talk about racial trauma. So they were acknowledging that trauma happened on that stage. Bro. I couldn't even. I was like, wow. If you have a trauma expert, that means you're acknowledging that. Wow. Racial trauma happened. Wow. Whoa. I'm just saying, as somebody who watched TV, I never saw no shit like that in my life. I've been watching TV my whole life. I've never seen nothing like that ever. It was, yeah. I've never seen it. So, yeah. So, that was also really interesting. The specialist described racial trauma as a repetitive stress injury, which is what that shit is because it's this thing that doesn't get to heal mm-hmm. because somebody is always poking, poking at it. But I love that they ex- described that experience as trauma and really kind of delved into that. So, that was cool. It was mind blowing to watch. The concepts weren't particularly like shocking because this is like stuff that we do and stuff that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I, again, we've never seen this stuff happen in a daytime TV format where they're just usually there talking about, you know, gossip and shit like that. Yeah. So that was like, that was, that was intense. It was so, I enjoyed seeing work be done. Like, let's right. not act like nothing happened here which is usually the case we're gonna like mm-hmm. something happened here trauma happened here right. people were violated here people were harmed here and we're gonna like mm-hmm. not skip over it so that was pretty dope i i appreciated seeing that you know definitely speaking of a repetitive stress injury and racial trauma oh, oh where we going so Sharon Osbourne was on the Bill Maher show on I HBO. Heard about that. He gave her a platform. Oh, I watched it. He would. He would. Oh yeah. You said you watched it. Oh, yeah, I watched it. Oh, I didn't get a chance to catch it. You want to talk about? Don't don't okay. don't bother. All right. The gaslighting was real. The gaslighting was intense. It was two white people high-fiving each other about their ignorance. It was two white people defining what's racist and what's not racist. It was two white people repeating all the bullshit that she was saying, that people are allowed to disagree. I'm not a racist. You can't call people a racist. Da-da-da-da-da. It was disgusting. Also, she didn't learn anything. No, she didn't learn anything. she got $10 million. Yeah. Well, why why yeah. do you need to buy... Mm-hmm. $10 million. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. harming someone and getting paid $10 million. But you learned something? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Also, I am not invested in her learning anything. Agreed. I do think it's I disgusting. I think it's disgusting that she was given this platform on this show with this white man who has a platform, but I don't watch it because of all those reasons. Because yeah. he's he's one of those white liberals. He's a racist white liberal. Yeah, okay? There's this moment where he's like, "What?" and they want to do training? What are you going to tell me? I'm 65 years old. I've been around. I've seen things. You're going to tell me? I know who I am. I know who raised me. Yeah, white people. Like what? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Every time they what? say stuff like that, I'm like, oh, okay. So you're telling me that you should be like 
killed off because there's no change. Exactly. That's, that's the solution exactly. to kill you off? Is that what you're telling me? They're basically saying that they're fine, they're good, nothing is wrong. I'm like, there's no, so there's no understanding really of structural power. The only things that he kind of, he did ask her about was some of the allegations about racial slurs. She reduced that to, because for those who don't know, some of the past hosts of the talk came out and said that she had used Asian racial slurs, mm-hmm. That she had used terms like ghetto. Somebody else said at another event she called somebody some derogatory term about Persian folks. And she was like, no, you know, I worked with these women. You know, women can be bitches. And that's, you know, we would like basically reduce that down to like, I never said that stuff. We were just having arguments. The Persian one, she was like, listen, that person crashed my reunion wedding. I said bad stuff to her. I don't remember what I said. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) what so it don't listen don't waste your time watching that i watched it for research because i wanted to know what level of racism it was going to be yeah i had planned to and then just never went around to i'm glad you did it (laughs) only one of us needed to do that okay because i the gaslighting was so real so i watched it i don't uh, back in the day when i wasn't as tapped into the nuances of white liberal racism Mm -hmm. back in the day i would watch his show the same thing with fucking who are the other white people that i used to watch or entertain uh i used to listen to the joe rogan show mm-hmm. not regularly but that was in my podcast rotation because he was allegedly a you know a nice guy i like funny shit he would talk to different people or whatever i used to listen to fucking mike rapaport i'm a fan of things i like to laugh I usually used I used to have a diverse rotation and then gradually it's like wait this dude not only are they a white person but that's the code that they live by they live by a wild white code and they're saying wild shit right now yeah. on this show that I'm watching to and it's always like a gradual thing like they'll say something I was like huh that's pretty white and it's like you know we grow up we live knowing how to speak both both languages yes, most of sure. us we know how to speak white shit so you're like ah that's just some white shit and after a while it's like no this is actually wild fucking harmful so this is my first time watching his show in years yeah yeah i used to watch it too i haven't yeah yeah i watched the opening monologue and i was like okay this is not bad he said one or two things that just wasn't funny it wasn't particularly racist it just wasn't funny mm-hmm. so i almost from watching that opening monologue i all i had a little bit potentially maybe of hope that maybe this won't be that bad, but it was that bad. It Like, I thought maybe he'll just let her say how she feels and leave it at that. It was a full circle jerk. It was a full <laughs> high five. We're white together. Why are you questioning us? We're not racist. Sharon regurgitated what she thought she understood. Like, well, they were saying that by Pierce saying how he felt, he was erasing what Megan felt. And they all, they made a mockery and laughed at that. And it was the the high key it was a high key disgusting gas light it was fucking ridiculous it was ridiculous i did used to watch him forever ago and i always thought like i never really fucked with him but i did like the show because he would have Mm -hmm. panelists and stuff but then his islamophobia is what made me like you know what i can't yes Mm -mm. yeah yeah i'm you see y'all it got got real you see y'all regular white black shit i watched this for the panelists now you're doing mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna now you're working hard you're working hard <laughs> you talking violence you're you like he for real the way he would talk in terms of his islamophobia it was so intense yeah, and so like, like these people aren't human so i can say whatever i want yes. it was real it's really wild it's wild it was intense like 
So I'm like, I just, oh, oh, no, nah, I'm not watching this. Yeah, that's an ongoing theme of his. But um, yeah, he went full white man, and she was there yucking it up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was that. Nobody watched that. Sharon didn't learn anything. It's fine. Nobody cares. We got this show where they fucking these two black professionals on their fucking dismantling and talk about anti-racism and structural oppression one up there talk about racial trauma then they started <laughs> quoting scriptures it got a little weird in that moment that did get weird i was like uh it got weird but they would have they, they were those scriptures that black people be like <laughs> i'm just disconnected i don't even know what they were talking like who god bless no man can curse it was like shit like that <laughs> okay like, uh... like do if you don't do right by me you're not gonna win in life so it was that kind of shit so i was like all right i bang with this the verses the scriptures that be cursing other people i could bang with that i could bang with that oh gosh so it was that but yeah it was it was interesting but uh, anyway yeah it was very interesting yeah um if you're curious about that it's on cbs it is there i don't know what fucking episode it was, it was a while ago. but the first week of april yeah i think it came back it was the first so. week of april so mm-hmm. you can check it out there if you want to and both of those specialists have books so i hope people are buying their, their books. books and shit yeah. i was like look at these black people getting work and elaine was like making sure she plugged a book like get this yes book. <laughs> yes let me get this black yes. person book she was all short of saying that get this black person book. <laughs> i loved it i loved it. it it was good it was really it was good good stuff i loved it, I loved it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. In other mind-blowing shit, there's been a lot of conversation recently about certain activists within the movement for Black life doing shit to commercialize the movement or leveraging the deaths of victims of anti-Black violence for personal or financial gain. So we talked about this as well on a previous episode. Tamika Mallory, who is a well-known activist from New York, has been at the center of these accusations after being directly called out for clout chasing by Samaria Rice, who is the mother of Tamir Rice, who was slain by police at the age of 12. We discussed these accusations in depth, like I said before, on two recent episodes of the podcast, which we'll link in the show notes. But we're bringing this up now because after a mix of what I would say was valid critique, some social media dragging, and possibly slander, some of that yeah some of that i would i would would say some of that was slander some of it was a little dirty some of it was a little bit of yeah yeah, yeah. uh, you know skin marks we saw it we saw it yeah but a lot of it was again valid critique a valid social media dragging and some slander some of that was from mothers of victims of police violence some from other activists and some from just random clout chasers The way you said cloud chases was so like, oh, these motherfuckers. I agree. Because <laughs> I'm tired. I'm so I tired. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired. Yes. I'm tired. So Tamika Mallory reached out to meet with Samaria Rice and another mother, Lisa Simpson. Patrice Cullors, who is the current head of Black Lives Matter Global Network and one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter hashtag, had also reached out to Samaria and Lisa and agreed to meet under certain terms. So we talked about this meeting. Yeah, we did. We talked about the terms. terms. I was excited about this. Excited in the sense that I was really kind of tired. I was and am growing weary of watching this kind of fallout and this open dragging of activists on all sides from all directions. Yes. And I'm talking about when I talk about all sides, I mean all sides within and amongst black folks whose ultimate goal 
we would hope and assume is to end the killing of black people you know what i'm saying yeah. and to advocate for our life and shit like that mm-hmm. so I've, I've been tired of watching it so i was hoping that a meeting it was really exhausting it's exhausting actually i said was it is because it's still <laughs> it is exhausting it is very exhausting yes could we get it together like i just want us to like be free you know it's it's frustrating to see yeah honestly so many people who you would assume would have sense and i mean in terms of like just maybe book education right. street education all the all the ways in which you can obtain education right still like not mm-hmm. critically think still like not in certain nuance still not kind of like i understand emotions and reacting on emotions i do it too but like sometimes a, a breath a step back of something is helpful like we are mm-hmm. still conversing with other black folks you know so a lot of that's the part that has me right. like tired like you would assume that these folks who present in ways of which they are trying to make progress that more tact i guess or not even tact mm-hmm. i don't know it's just like it's just it's just messy in ways that like i, I my expectation wouldn't have thought it yeah. would be like this kind of mess I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I totally understand whatever way a a mother of the movement wants to approach calling out an activist. I'm totally okay with that. Mothers. Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. My contention is when the rest of us get involved and and have it bubbling in this kind of public kind of way. And I think that there's something to be said for like public accountability in terms of like us giving input and thoughts to like how we feel about how things are going, things that should be changed or things that don't look right or don't smell good or whatever. But I think that there's that. And then there's also like some of the ways in which we are dragging each other, I think is counterproductive, not because we all supposed to be kumbaya, but just because that shit gets mixed up with what white supremacists are trying to do. And I just feel like if a white supremacist could retweet some shit that you said about somebody else with a, within the movement like what are we doing you know i don't know it's it's weird yeah and a lot of it seems like it comes from like not liking the motherfucker like not not even like because of and this is excluding the mothers when we're talking right now we're not talking about the mothers Mm -hmm. in in this instant but like you know how sometimes Mm -hmm. you it's that bitch you don't like but she don't do nothing to you so you don't whatever then she do something and you be like and you just be ready and you be on her you be ready to fight it just reminds me of that and it makes me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it makes me highly uncomfortable it makes me not feel Mm -hmm. safe it makes me not feel like i could trust any of y'all motherfuckers now (laughs) you know what i mean like you are you guys are the people that lots of people are looking for for guidance because not everybody is as attached Mm -hmm. as activated as involved because people have their own day-to-day lives so they depend not not everybody can be yeah so they depend Mm -hmm on these people in these spaces and I'm talking on all avenues to kind of guide them in ways that would be mm-hmm. productive and right. it's not happening, you know? So it's, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but it's, a, it's, a, it's really upsetting me and my homegirls. Like it is. It is. I'm the homegirl. It is. It's fucking upsetting. Yeah. So yeah. So this meeting was uh going to happen allegedly. And then It was canceled when Tamika made her own terms that the mothers disagreed with. Yes. And it's been interesting because I feel like it 
highlights how as black folks we can agree that we deserve to live and that no one has the right to kill us and police and other white vigilantes need to stop doing that shit but it also highlights our differences in approach our beliefs on what black liberation looks like and like what we even think the problem is you know what i'm saying that's something that i say a lot is like sometimes and i always say this because it happens when we're on grapevine it's always some random panelists that we never met before (laughs) who be like okay but what's the the solution But what's the solution? solution? But how do we solve this? Okay, fine. Right. Fine. Yes, there's a problem. But what's the solution? Okay, right. And and that always bothers me because we're talking about a system that's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years that we didn't build, that yes, we could do things together as black people that would help this. It's it's still a larger power structure, a larger system that's like doing things to us. And we are not all on the same page about what the problem is. And so when you see a lot of these initiatives, when you see organizers like Tamika Mallory, when you see organizers like people who are following I would say the legacy of the Black Panthers and shit like yeah. that. You see people who are doing different things Very because we understand the problem differently. Yes. We understand the problem differently. And so for me, these conversa- a lot of the conversations that we have as Black people together from different backgrounds and shit are about understanding what is the problem. You know what I'm saying? What do we what do we think the problem is? Because before we understand the problem, our solutions and the things that we do and the ways that we move, they're going to be different. And to add on to that, that's why usually people are like, what's the solution? Even if a solution is offered, if you think the problem is something different, the solution that is offered right. by someone with a different idea of the problem, you are going to be like... I didn't hear a solution because we don't have, we need exactly. to first have an understanding, exactly. a collective understanding of what the problem is first before mm-hmm. you even get mm-hmm. to the solution. And that's usually what I would right. hope our collective conversations would be rather than what's the solution. Cause how are we going to get there? Mm-hmm. We have different opinions here you for a reason. You know what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you over here, your solution is like putting four year olds into militant charter schools. <laughs> So that they can learn, they can grow up to work in fucking on, on Wall Street. Yeah. Okay. That's not, that's because you understand the problem differently than I do. We have different understandings of the, of problem. the problem. And also, yeah, I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing, even though like the, the what gets tricky is that we're all like fighting for our lives. Yes. And so sometimes somebody else's solution, I think, is counterproductive to like black liberation and black life or whatever. And that's what makes it so personal. If they even have one. one. (laughs) Have one what? A solution? Like if they even have a solution. Because sometimes some people don't think there's a problem. You can be at a table with someone who doesn't even think a problem is happening. And then they're like, well, what's the solution? And it's like, my nigga, you just said there was no problem. No. So why are you asking me? So what are you talking about? Why are you demanding a solution now? the fuck just say you don't want to talk about it why are you here (laughs) why is you here why did you agree to be here today why did you sign up for this there are other shows to be on oh my god oh gosh anyway yeah so like some of us understand structural and okay let me say this because I, I'm going to use the words understand. And I know it's going to sound condescending because I'm just talking from my own understanding of the world and black shit or whatever. Yeah. So I'm I'm saying this ahead of time because I know we all have different views and I might sound condescending, but I am aware that this is from my vantage point. But anyway, some of us understand structural oppression. Others believe in bad apples. You got people understanding that white supremacist patriarchal capitalism works together and others who want to end white supremacy without addressing gender disparities 
classes or trans antagonism and classism. You got people trying to build something outside of the system and then people trying to work within it. So I think that something that we're learning or that I'm learning is that everybody don't have the same understanding of freedom. So there are people in this movement who are moving different based on their core beliefs. And it's not always a covert, sinister mission to achieve capitalism. Sometimes it just be people who believe in individualism and capitalism hard body. And like the ways they're moving are the only ways that make sense to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they don't necessarily see individualism and see capitalism as a part of systemic oppression and the things that are um, counterproductive to black liberation. So it's not like what I'm just making sure I understand. It's not like an intentional, like like an intentional, like, okay, so for me. Someone who sees liberation mm-hmm. in that way, that's harmful for how I see liberation. And yes. what you're saying is they're Facts. not intentionally saying, "Yes, I'm going to harm these people while... I want to harm you. I want to hold black people back. Right. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's like, this is how they know how to move. And they really, I think a lot of these people, I think a Tamika Mallory really does believe that certain, and this is, this is what I'm saying is based on like, we looked into Until Freedom, which is her organization. And just like some of the values that are listed out in plain sight, it's not anything covert or secretive or whatever. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's just very clear that she adheres to a certain level of individualism, a certain level of capitalism, a certain level of, there are like hints of like boots strap is bootstrap even though it's like collective we'll work together as black people to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps kind of and also like mm-hmm. we are very dedicated to dismantling systems i think that right. their thing is that we can work with and we have to make this system better yes and that is yes the and that can work the gimmick exactly we can, yeah. if we do this if we get better policing or if we get legislation or we get whatever mm-hmm. whereas me and jay and other folks lots of other folks are like no Mm-hmm. dismantle this shit right. but because you see a black person doing the things the assumption yeah. is that they are working to dismantle and it's like no so when they do something that is in alignment with how they see liberation you see a cadillac mm-hmm. commercial and you like what the fuck but that's Whoa. in alignment that's very in alignment very much in the in alignment with, with what? how she moves exactly what she believes is the road yeah. to like freedom mm-hmm. that doesn't mean yeah like you said it doesn't mean that it's not harmful that doesn't mean like that doesn't mean that some of you know some of us might say that's the feds you know what i'm saying it doesn't doesn't mean that it's not i just don't think that there's right i don't think that there's an awareness to do harm is what i'm saying yeah that doesn't mean it should not be addressed but i do think that there are people who believe that what she's doing is like uniquely harmful or or like a unique initiative that has to do with like how Tamika sees herself and Mm -hmm. some kind of narcissism when i think that it is these are symptoms of individualism, capitalism, collective bootstrapping, and working within the system. And the person who thinks the system is broken and needs repair versus a person who says the system works the way it's supposed right. to, let's burn this yes. shit down. That Those are part. very different exactly. things. Yeah. Right. And there are lots of people who who move how Tamika moves. Yes. And, and, you know, and that is, I don't want to say that it is okay because I do believe that it's harmful. But I understand that these people are not trying to be the feds. These people are not in secret meetings with white people trying to hold black people back and shit like that. It's just like a fundamental 
disagreement with what the actual problem yeah. is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, yeah. So Tamika introduced her own terms to this potential meeting. She wrote a letter basically saying, I'm not going to read the whole letter, but she says a bunch of stuff and she says, I'm responding to the statement released on your behalf, which indicated this is a, a letter to Maria Rice and uh, Lisa Simpson from Tamika Mallory. Responding to the statement released on your behalf, which indicated that you have accepted a meeting with Patrice Colors of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation and myself. I am eager to meet with the two of you and in response to the agenda you laid out, I share the following as a framework for my participation. So basically the first bullet is to remind everybody that she has her own organization, which is Until Freedom, which is separate from Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. And so while she respects Patrice Colors, she doesn't share, they don't share any financial ties. So she doesn't feel like it's appropriate for them to meet together, which I actually do agree. I think a lot of the things in the initial agenda for the meeting had to do with Black Lives Matter Global Network and the $90 million that they received yeah. in 2020. And then uh, just to refresh my memory, did Tamika yeah. say Tamir's name on that stage? And that's what, that she like, I can't remember her speech. I don't know. I don't think that I, I'm not sure if she said names. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was like a direct response to necessarily her saying his name at the Grammys, but she was, they were, remember there was this whole pseudo protest mm-hmm. scene. Yes. It was one of those things where like, here you are once again, you're here at the Grammys because our children have Got been it. murdered yes. by police. And you're mm-hmm. here in this kind of, you know, commercialized performance of protest in this song at the Grammys, like enough already kind of thing. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't I don't remember if if she yeah. specifically said his name or whatever. But yeah, so I, I definitely understand why she would not want to be in the same meeting as Black Lives Matter. So that made sense to me. Then she says that she only agreed to meet with Miss Rice and Miss Simpson and not the other people who um, were going to be there or a part of the collective other activists that Miss Rice and Miss Simpson wanted to be there. She also said that she would be accompanied by an impacted mother that she's worked with directly. So that made me feel a little bit funny because I feel like if there are people who these mothers feel like they're comfortable with having in the room, like people who they feel safe with, allies with or whatever, especially after not feeling trusting or safe with Tamika and how she moves yeah, or whatever, that sure. I feel like there should be space for that. And then also she's she's bringing someone else in the room. Like, right. why would you say, don't bring people, but I'm going to bring this person? Like, what does that... Yeah. I don't even look right. Right, right. She then suggests that a certified mediator be mutually agreed upon prior to the meeting certified what's certified mean Hmm. what does certified mean i don't know to what stand you know what i mean like but it also shows Mm -hmm. how she her um ideas of what things are very different from the other people who are trying to have this conversation with her because what what qualifies someone to be a certified mediator for her probably Mm -hmm. was like a paper that says you can do this versus other people who were like like we have people in our family who can mediate (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's tricky, though. That one is tricky, though, because she's been being dragged on social, right? Like, they've been dragging her. Like, the collective have been dragging her. But not the other people that they asked to be in the conversation. Those people were not. One of them had been dragging them. Dr. Joy and... Right, Dr. yes. Dr. Joy, Joy and, and um, Chairman yeah, uh, were, Fred Hampton Jr. You're right. They were objective. Right. Like, um, completely... Like, I've... Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I don't think it's terrible to ask for that a certified mediator be present, but I think that their presence should have been in addition to whoever the mothers were comfortable with having in the room. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm that's, saying? And like, that's how I, I feel. I think her asking for, of, right. I don't think I would have had an issue with her asking for a certified mediator if you already told them that whoever Samaria and Lisa Simpson wanted with them couldn't be there. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest piece of it that I had a problem with. So she then says... To preserve the historic nature of this gathering. this It's really just that that little segment that I was like. So she says, to preserve the historic nature of this gathering and to protect its integrity, this meeting should be recorded. This would not be for public viewing, but to ensure transparency and accountability between all parties. Until Freedom will cover all pre-approved expenses for your camera person as well as our own, the videographers will, will be required to sign legal documentation for privacy's sake. She ends it off, thanks so much for your consideration. I look forward to meeting with you and I hope to hear back from you soon so we can arrange the details of our meeting. Record it to preserve the historic nature of the gathering is i think inherent to the problem that everybody has been saying that they're having with some of the stuff that tamika is doing like this is not about how historic this is for the movement or how historic it is like for the larger body of people like who will like what (laughs) this is about these impacted mothers who feel like their dead children are being leveraged for financial gain for professional opportunities, which recording something for its historic nature is something that could be leveraged for for professional opportunities, for fucking when you write your fucking book or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not the wording of that to me was like, really like you're still like not really getting it. She's on a very completely different page. Like just, yeah, she's on another planet. Right. The other piece of this is that within some of the out- outlines of the meeting that was supposed to take place, there was kind of this initiative for like, okay, how we should move forward and how we can maybe eliminate some of this like celebrity activism, yeah. which is kind of what Tamika Mallory is. She's a celebrity who was an activist. She, she is a celebrity activist of sorts, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And so they were introducing new concepts to kind of like, how do we avoid that? Let's organize the people's forum, shit like that. So it was like this, this pointed plan for moving forward and i think that it's unfortunate that that doesn't happen but somebody suggested that that should be its own meeting period you know what i'm saying because the more i thought about it the more i was like even if if that meeting took place and we talked and they talked about these new ways to move forward how to avoid celebrity activism how to be more of a community ass bitch how to move in ways that are not disturbing to mothers of victims of, of police brutality or whatever that is still a conversation that has to do with the larger movement yeah. that doesn't that kind of decenters these mothers who have their individual gripes. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So I would have liked Tamika to potentially be open to having a separate meeting about that with other activists per se. But yeah, it's like it's like this response kind of dismisses the call for that. Yeah. After getting that letter, I wouldn't even be receptive to being like okay let's try this thing just you know it's just yeah it's unfortunate it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. i did think nothing would come of it and i would have loved to be wrong about like nothing possibly coming of it but you know oh you thought they was you didn't think they was ever gonna meet i thought they would meet but i knew that they wouldn't come to anything because based on the conversations we had on the last show they're on completely different 
pages. Like I don't even, mm-hmm. on both ends, I don't even think the folks who were calling Tamika to a meeting even understand that that is what she does is exactly what her plan is. Like, it's not like she was seduced right. by capitalism. It's not like she's been seduced by individualism. It's not like she's mm-hmm. been seduced and changed. That is her path and her goal. She's doing exactly right. what she says she's going to do. And mm-hmm. I think that they believe that this person has been seduced by celebrity and capitalism mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. it is now leveraging black lives because of that right, seduction. Right, but like, right. nah, this is how, this is no seduction happened. This is how she does it, period. And I don't even think they understand mm-hmm. that about her because they didn't even look into her mission statement. Like I only got to this because we actually went mm-hmm. to their website and read their mission statement. And now right. I understand. I know your lane. You're going to be exactly who you built to be. And I know I can't mm-hmm. fuck with that, so stay over there. Like, me personally, right. knowing what I know now from that, I just know, okay, I'm doing something mm-hmm. different, and I won't even even try. We knew that. Let's 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 be real. We knew that already because we really wasn't fans already. Yes. And it, it was, like, because of these things. But looking into, like, actually reading it on the paper, it was like, okay, this is why we don't bang. This is why. This is what makes us uncomfortable about this. Yes. Like, I knew I didn't fuck with her, but reading those mission statements right. that allowed me to realize this person wasn't seduced by these things. This is right, exactly right, right. how they plan this is their strategy this is not something Mm -hmm. that they were seduced into doing they're not like "Ooh, the grammys no this is their strategy for liberation Mm -hmm. there's nothing Mm -hmm. that i can do on my end with my ideas and philosophies that's gonna sway this person right because they're not they're not seduced so how would i seduce them to come Mm -hmm. over here like no this they think Mm -hmm. this is the strategy you know what i mean and the other folks do not are not aware of that so you're kind of like talking to Mm -hmm. a wall in a sense. So I did think they would meet, but I knew, not knew because I wasn't there and it didn't happen. Right. Based on the conversation we had on the podcast, when we realized their mission, I was like, there ain't nothing coming out of this. They're like mm-hmm. co- on completely different planets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah it's different. Like really different. You're right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it gets more interesting. Moving away from Tamika Mallory. Yeah. And we originally discussed this in the second half of episode 287, My Relationship with Satan. I love that title. But anyway, (laughs) the second half of that episode, we uh, laid out some of the accusations against activists like Tamika Mallory and other activists within the Black Lives Matter movement. So we talked about Patrice Cullors, who again is one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter hashtag, or it has been said to be one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter hashtag and the head of Black Lives Matter Global Network. That is where she is at right now. That's what she's doing right now, which is not tied again to the two other creators of that hashtag. So a lot of attention has been brought to Black Lives Matter Global Network due to their raising of $90 million last year. And something that she said that I agree with that needs to be clarified is that this is not money that they were like going out raising. This was money that they received. This was money that was sent in when white people discovered racism in 2020. In June of 2020. Right, right, right. That white guilt bag. Uh, We all got it. We all got some of that white guilt bag. It went around. (laughs) Yes. We didn't do anything. We didn't ask for it. We didn't say, hey, feeling guilty? Just woke up. Send some money this way. PayPal was lit. We just woke (laughs) up and it was like, oh, okay. I'm going to buy this computer. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like... 
it's it's yeah it's something that happened mm-hmm. right so we did not get 90 million dollars no we didn't uh because if no, we did but we i'll be with tamika if no, we I'm, did. Joking, I'm joking i'm joking if we did <laughs> yeah i would have got my farm though <laughs> what happened you know how i want a farm i would have got my farm <laughs> I have my farm. I would have bought that house that Patrice had. <laughs> anyway, that's what I would have did. But no, we didn't get that. But everybody, black people who do things, black creatives, black initiatives, black businesses, there was, there was an uh, there was white guilt money all over floating place, around. Yeah. Right, Black Lives Matter is a name that people recognize, so it makes sense that people were not who were not sure of like where to put their money mm-hmm. or whatever would send it to black lives matter right and other and i just want to add other black organizations did get lots of money i've in the interview yes. that naacp got you know the the common mm-hmm. names that people know the white guilt money came to them in abundance right so yeah right. just wanted to add that mm-hmm. so yeah so a lot of attention after black lives matter global network was transparent about what they had received a lot of attention was sent in their direction people wanted to know where the money is going who's getting it what are their plans for the money and now there's talk about patrice colors homes yeah um and so yeah so somebody sent this to me the first thing that i saw was an article from dirt.com oh that's what? for real i was like why are you calling it that i just calling that other publication that because we don't like that oh, publication that other publication is dirt but no this is actually <laughs> yeah, dirt.com I, I saw the article and, everything i don't know why i forgot Sorry, right so they basically do like gossip about real estate so it's like who's buying a house that's the whole point of their website it's real estate gossip like ooh, someone so just bought a house here whatever and this is who used to <laughs> live such a in- grandma thing to do <laughs> yes this is who used to live there and that so there th- it looks like some shit that white people and people who could afford to buy houses yeah. or want to dream about buying houses like involve themselves in or whatever right and i think that article might be dated as one of the first articles about um her homes so but this was just about one home this is about the house in calabasas the 1.4 million dollar house yeah. right so it's a beautiful home it's 1.4 million which disclaimer we're from new york and I live in a box of an apartment and my, I, I mean, I'm not paying, I live in an old building. I'm not paying $3,000 rent, but a $1.4 million apartment, um, in New York, like in almost any part of New York, it's not going to be some huge glorious, like penthouse, it's not. you know what I'm saying? A $1.4 million house in New York it's, it's not, not going to be, be. Uh, the McMansions or mansions that you see in Atlanta or whatever. Like there are certain places in the country where 1.4 million doesn't get you. Like it don't sound the same. $1.4 million sounds different depending on where you're from, what you know, what you've experienced, where you live, what you can afford. Yeah, And we mean sounds different in terms of like what people equate luxury to. Like you can definitely have a one point four million dollar house in New York and it'd be small and it just have one bathroom. <laughs> like you know what I mean? There's the no right. doorman. Right. Like it's not yeah. No it's jacuzzi. not a luxury yes. yeah, it's not a luxury house. Yes, right. but it's that much right. because of right. the location. Exactly. Because it's in New York, period. Not exactly. the anonymity. You can live yeah. in an outer borough. You can live in an outer borough and you know, be be on a block where people are frequently murdered and your house be worth six hundred thousand dollars and it be, you know, just a basic three bedroom, no garage, 
not huge you know a fucking narrow ass row house that don't look cute it's just like you know 1.4 million it just hits different depending on where you are and so when i saw this it, it didn't feel like luxury it didn't feel like oh she's a big spender where she get yeah. that or whatever and like you can buy a house you don't gotta have fucking 1.4 million dollars in your pocket you could buy a house with a loan or whatever whatever niggas who buy houses no you don't need to have 1.4 million dollars okay yeah, yeah. i don't buy houses either i'm she just have saying 1.4 in the bag and was like here like yeah right that's not the impression that i got yeah. so i'm looking at this house i'm looking at the pictures and it looks like the house that i hope all of my niggas could live in okay that's how it looks it looks like just enough it looks like there's enough space yes. for me to have a room, my mother to have a room when she comes to visit. I can have an office. And then I think they said that there's like a little, it looked like a shack, but they said it's another little like guest home. It looked like a tree house, but not in a tree. <laughs> it was a tree house on the ground. That second house on the, the ground, compound yeah. that, the, that I right. know technically it's a compound. It literally looked right. like my mother could have built that shed in her backyard in her house she actually really could because basically <laughs> what and this is another thing about like journalism and fucking playing with words and shit a compound is anything that has more than one dwelling right so something like how you said that's a big tree house compound done it's a toilet in there compound you know what i'm saying so two places with plumbing <laughs> yeah so it's like they make it sound like it's this again yes. it's more than i have ever had same but when i imagine like enough it looked like what she had was enough she got a, she got space outside she obviously got a washer dryer in the place you know what i'm saying like it looked like enough it looked like the house at the end of a fucking terry mcmillan movie yeah exactly and i also feel mm -hmm. like because i watch a lot of those home improvement shows and shit i like mm -hmm. i feel like if you were in that house all the appliances would be white like it's not even a modern kitchen like that's funny it looked modern it looked no, modern I did, I, it did it did i'm just saying yeah but it looked cute it looked it looked like y'all gassed it when they said luxury i thought it. i was gonna see luxury that's all i'm saying y'all gassed, gassed it i was right. y'all gassed, gassed it. it i understand it's a white it looked like a house. Blah, 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 all of mm -hmm. all of that stuff we could talk about but mm -hmm. y'all gassed it i thought i was gonna see some shit and luxury. i was like okay <laughs> luxury luxury yeah. no, it wasn't it wasn't yeah it wasn't that it looked like enough yeah. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. it looked like enough it looked comfortable like the tree house in the back it looked yeah like it looked like enough so anyway so there was that and i think that that is what sparked this organization fucking the national legal and policy center which started this whole bullshit to then look into what look into all, all her, her properties, properties right yeah so that's what I, so this article that comes out so just to tell you real quick the national legal and policy center is a right-leaning 501 nonprofit group that monitors and reports on the ethics of public officials supporters of liberal causes and labor unions in the u.s so they monitor niggas who are trying to get people free it's just an office for the haters yes <laughs> Yes, this is it. Hater Central. This is right wing Hater Central. And this is a really good way to put, listen, we're racist. When you try and get free, we fucking do things to counteract that you, shit. You've reached Hater's headquarters. <laughs> yes. 
hater fucking headquarters okay so the other piece of this is like when we talk about like the man like when you've heard like your parents and your grandparents talk about the man mm. and shit like that this is the fucking this is the man like unless you are a part of a fucking clan the kkk or a fucking white nationalist group that's not afraid to say yeah we're fucking white supremacists and we kick black people in the head or whatever yeah. unless you are that nigga the, like this is this is the alternative to that this yeah. is still a white supremacist organization who releases shit and drops shit in the upliftment and support of white supremacy like they're not gonna say yeah we're the clan we work for the clan <laughs> they're not gonna say that like they're these not. are the ones who are still kind of trying to like work under the radar and not wear their clan suits and not be discovered okay. in public so i want to make sure i have the timeline right dirt.com released this article about her one house her 1.4 million dollar house and then that's mm-hmm. what ignited this racist or the hater headquarters to be like let's look into her shit and then they look yeah into her shit. that's what i'm thinking okay. happening because i was just looking at the dates i was looking at the dates and it looks like the dirt.com article came out first mm-hmm. and then this article in the associated press mm-hmm. which it was in the associated press but it's actually a paid article from this right-wing organization organization right okay so it's a paid sponsored article it's not the associated press doing their own journalism Mm -hmm. nlpc this right-wing joint wrote this fucking paid article in ap the new york post then picked that shit up okay and then they created the whole sensationalized story based on all the information that this right-wing organization shared so just making sure dirt.com only had the 1.4 million dollar house the nc whatever people added the other houses and made the Mm -hmm. okay and then the new york post picked that up so and that's how we arrive at the story that everyone is talking about now right yep okay yep got it so the new york post which we're from new york and like public enemy then told us also we know we the new york post is a white supremacist like clan rag yes. like that's what it is yeah so i'm always perplexed when people are like sharing their stories like that's the goal of they're a white supremacist paper yeah like it's not a, a secret we know that a lot of media is white supremacist leaning but like this is what the new york post does yes so i mean i get it in terms of if you're sharing some shit where this information is nowhere else but just like it's usually something racist that's being shared it's usually <laughs> yeah. like what why are we like what why are we sharing this <laughs> yeah, like who heightens everyone's different we've known that we said that earlier mm-hmm. everyone thinks different things mm-hmm. are different problems i would assume but my assumption is that we're on the same page because there are people who i assumed i was on the same page with when i mm-hmm. see them sharing this white supremacist ass paper article it was just like what that's what this paper yeah. lives for. it was just really strange right. and like i don't know I go ahead i'm sorry i just had to get that out no that's okay so in addition to the that single home <laughs> in what i think is calabasas or whatever the 1.4 million dollar home or whatever yeah she owns four other properties was it four I think she owns three other properties. And she was looking at she owns, they when they were saying she was looking in the Bahamas. But I don't think she like Yes, purchased. yes, which she which she denied. But like can we talk about how like I've looked at a brownstone with this guy that I was dating. I looked at a full ass brownstone with a fucking upstairs. It had a whole upstairs two floor apartment. It had a beautiful downstairs, a backyard, a basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like with someone who I was just dating that wasn't even my full boo. Like you can look at shit and not 
be interested in buying it yeah. not be able to afford to buy mm-hmm. it like you can you can look at a lot of shit or whatever but she said that she wasn't even Look. there the thing for me here's the thing so she owns other properties that have been listed at around five hundred thousand dollars or whatever which again she was a professor or is a professor she's written a book, book. She is popular around the world. In October, she signed a multi-platform deal with Warner Brothers Television Group. So who knows what the fucking... I was going to say signing bonus. I don't fucking know. But who knows <laughs> what she got from that deal? Maybe it's a signing bonus. I don't we know, know. Whatever. We're not Tamika. We don't know yeah. these things. <laughs> we don't know. Right. We don't know. It's just, for me, it's the assumption that she was that what she has or the homes that she purchased are directly related to her relationship with black Black lives Lives matter Matter or directly related to the funds that came in for black lives matter and that the allegations of like stealing that's what makes it like weird for me yes like i think that it's totally okay to be like this is a little weird that you have, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have all of these things while those who are directly impacted by the struggle in recent years, many are doing without many are struggling financially. Many have had to pay for funeral expenses and deal with other attention due to the loss of their children at the hands of police. And this is a movement that again, because when these things happen, people are looking to help in some way and often send money to organizations whose names they know so i get the this is interesting piece of it i don't get people saying she used black lives matter funds she's stealing Mm -hmm. i don't i don't get that that is very strange and i think that there were people who have been reputable sources in sharing updates on what's happening with these meetings and things like that that we were discussing before who were tweeting shit like she's using black lives matter funds to buy a house to buy this to do this that or whatever Mm -hmm. she's stealing and that that to me is like that's that goes past critique to like that's like we kind of playing in slander waters now and it's like for what it's slandered and it's also in alignment with white supremacy so it's like Anytime right. a black person does something and you just have to automatically be, be suspicious, like we can't like mm. just grant it. We understand that that whatever the white girl cash probably isn't being distributed to the other organizations and stuff like that in ways that people think is fast enough, people think it's quick enough, mm-hmm. people think it's adequate, right. people think is you know, people's labor hasn't been paid for. So we understand that that hasn't happened and it needs to happen. So that's not Mm -hmm. what we're saying here. But I think that to jump to stealing, to just as soon as this black person isn't perfect, then they're evil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and Mm -hmm. that to me is something that aligns with white supremacy. Like we're not allowed to like even make a mistake not even allowed right. to make a mistake. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. I do think that given that amount of money, I, if mm-hmm. I had an organization, I wouldn't even know what and how, and I would not know how to do anything right. with $90 right. million. Like you don't just throw that shit in the air and see where it lands. Like there's mm-hmm. still business stuff when it comes to owning an organization and all of that, you know, all of that stuff that I don't know all of the pieces of, but it's like, you know, this money has only been had for like eight months. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the expectation is that she's supposed to just automatically know how to do this. Like all of us, right. 
and I'm saying all of us just as black people, all of us are organizers, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but most organizers are used to dealing with small grassroots nothingness, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do not, a lot of us do not, even even people who work in nonprofit, I work in a nonprofit myself. I work in a nonprofit that is very, very small. A lot of us, when we think about mm-hmm. nonprofit organizations, we think that they don't have money. There are nonprofits right. that are million, billion dollar mm-hmm worth companies but they have the infrastructure to do all of the things the ways in which you see it happen in for-profit or corporate spaces and if you Mm -hmm. start small like like black lives matter did and now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're 90 million fucking dollars richer just think about you and your small ass just your own fucking small ass bank account as soon as you get A million dollars, you like it's like what? You don't know what to do. You still manage money the way you used to with your fifty thousand dollars. You still pay bills mm-hmm. the way you, So I think that this need for her to be perfect and just know how to just do this is really yeah. weird and strange. And I understand the critique. And I think it is important that we do have these conversations. Like who who the fuck mm-hmm. else are we supposed to talk to this shit about? So I don't I don't right. frown that. But this I don't know, it's just weird that everyone just suspects how to be perfect and know how to do this shit. If I was head of BLM, a person who's never, and I'm saying she doesn't have um, professional background, da, 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 right. but $90 million, I barely managed yeah. to manage my pay every two weeks. You know, so I don't think people are being um, realistic, understand the nuance. I think they're, I, they're angry and that's totally fine. And we're just shouting at each other at the moment. But like right. when you sit down and think about it, there is something to be like suspicious about. Something interesting has happened here. Something's happening over here. Something in the milk don't make no sense. But mm-hmm. to just automatically jump mm-hmm. to theft when this person does have other incomes don't make no sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was weird. And I just feel like, you know, there are all different ways to come about like wealth. People inherit things. Yeah. Like it's just I just thought that that was weird. And then I think that the conversation about her like being a Marxist mm-hmm. and that this person who claims to be a Marxist is buying things and she's like to never buy something ever in her life right ever. like we live yeah like we live right now in a capitalist society okay me and queen don't fuck with capitalism as an ideology yep. but we live in a capitalist society so like right now i live in a box okay i would love <laughs> you stop calling to your space. Home a box. <laughs> no because i need to i need people to understand what's going on over here like <laughs> it would be nice it would be nice to be able to live in a space where I had more space, where I had sunlight. I would love to live in a $1.4 million <laughs> house in fucking Calabasas where there's sunlight and shit and people don't know where I'm at. Everybody knows where she's at now. But before that, where people don't know where I'm at. That's another issue, too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, that would be... That would be restful. That would be nice or whatever. While we are hoping to dismantle the system, it's not a two-person job. Like, me and Queen are going to die before capitalism is dismantled, before white supremacist patriarchal capitalism is dismantled. In the meantime, it would be nice if I could live in a space where I had enough space, where I had a washer dryer, Mm -hmm. where I had sunlight, where I had... And that's what I saw when I saw that house. I didn't see this palatial estate. I didn't see luxury. I didn't see excess. I I saw 
just enough. I saw enough to feel free. She don't even have a pool. Okay. <laughs> that's a, she that's a sidebar. I was just court. thinking about. She don't got a right. basketball court. She don't got a theater. That front okay. yard look a little raggedy. Like It's dry. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's a it's nice space. <laughs> You're not even cute. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. It don't got no edges. It just looked like, it looked like a nice, comfortable space right so that's that's how it looked to me and i think that as people who are working to dismantle structures of systemic oppression that does not mean that while everybody else gobble up the system and fucking get fat and shit like that that does not mean that i should not if i am able to purchase something for myself to share with my community, which would be my family, my people, or whatever, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to buy things that cost a lot of money if I have a lot of money. Like, that's just, to me, that's not what that means. And I think that there's a difference, of course, when we start talking about excess, we start talking about billionaires, we start talking about multimillionaires and shit like that. But, like, we're, in this situation, It to me, it didn't feel like we were talking about excess it felt like i was looking at what i wish for every black person to have Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying which is like enough you know a comfortable place to live right for anybody who's unfamiliar with marxism just a quick loose definition marxism is a social political and economic philosophy named after Karl marx it examines the effect of capitalism on labor productivity and economic development and argues for a worker revolution to overturn capitalism in favor of communism i think the website that i got this from i think the aim was to scare people or whatever like with that language Uh right but i was that language doesn't scare me so Mm -hmm. yeah but but I think that's because we acknowledge that capitalism is a problem. But anyway, that does not mean that an individual living in a capitalist system should just allow themselves to be abused by the system and like they have to not have anything. Mm-hmm. They have to give everything they have away while no one else is living based on Marxist or community ideals. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that that argument was super duper weird. It was weird. I do have some critiques about like me personally, I wouldn't want to live in a place so white. So that's like different and strange to me, but that's not even what a lot of the conversation mm-hmm. is about. And that has nothing to do right. with money. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not questioning mm-hmm. the money. Mm-hmm. I'm not questioning whatever. It's just, I, that's just a really white place. <laughs> you like do you feel right since you feel safe there <laughs> you know i think to me yeah to me when i saw it it seemed so secluded mm-hmm. that i wasn't thinking about like how white it was you know what i'm saying like i i get i understand that argument completely but i just be thinking about it's so secluded how often are you seeing any of your neighbors anyway I mean, I don't know. You still go to the store. You still like, like the, the place is right, still true, white. True, so my true. mom lives in a, a, a white, like her development is pretty diverse, but that mm-hmm. town is white. You still. Yeah. No, I live in a white. You know, so it's just it. like, yeah. you know, you can make home a home. Totally. I've right. never been like, I've you know, my experience is I've never been anywhere where my blackness wasn't in a majority. So for me, it's foreign to like decide to move to a place that is that white so that's for me that's where my question was just like ooh, i get it though you live where you need to live so i'm not Mm quite you know i'm not questioning Mm -hmm. that but i can't say out loud like you know that is (laughs) pretty right pretty white like Mm -hmm. like white Mm -hmm. white 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 Mm -hmm. like and you're the and now that people know she lives there now they know this black lives matter person lives in their white 
place. Yeah. That was the thing that I thought was really unsafe. Yeah. Is that anybody that now people know like where she lives yes. like that, regardless to how you feel about her position in the movement, about Patrice Cullors position in the movement, it is still dangerous for anyone who was seen to be a quote unquote leader of black folks or a black movement yeah. it's dangerous for any for people to know where that person yes, lives for sure. so she already gets death threats it's highly dangerous i think for people to now know what her house looks like what the space around her house looks like and be able to find out where she lives like that mm-hmm. that to me is not okay yeah there was a petition floating around that basically said like everybody chill because people know where she lives yeah. and she's not safe or whatever mm-hmm. which People were talking about it a little. A few people were talking about it on social media, like, "Oh, this petition is whack." Like, a lot of people signed it. This petition is whack, and by people, I mean other activists, some celebrities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this petition is whack. <laughs> Why does she need a petition to protect her? She's not safe. Mm-hmm. Like, it, as if she was exaggerating. Yeah. It also kind of. I mean, it's weird if you don't if you don't like her and what she she does. I guess, but it was the letter was basically, you know she's a real person she's an activist she's done the work or whatever she's in danger now because everybody knows where she lives and people keep sharing this some of it is from the usual suspects of white supremacy the rest of it is coming from within the community could y'all chill yeah here's a petition we're asking y'all to chill and i think there's nothing wrong with the request of like could y'all chill yeah. as a community mm-hmm. like could we just chill off of this right now because i feel like there is a bit of aiding in white supremacy we're aiding in exposing her fucking address yeah. where she lives mm-hmm. and like i just thought it was interesting the way a lot of people online were pushing back and trying to say that well she's not really unsafe this is not a big deal she is trying to position herself as a victim or whatever which is ridiculous because those folks say all the time that black people in general aren't safe like Mm -hmm. that is what they're organizing for (laughs) it's because no matter who where we are in this country on on this world we're not safe so then to then say Mm -hmm. this person who is, regardless of how you feel about her, she is still known as the head, whatever, of Black Lives Matter. Everyone in the world does not know that there's the hashtag and then there's the global network. And then there's, like, no one knows all of these intricate whatever ideals. All they know is now, Mm -hmm. Patrice, she lives here, BLM. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Like, you know, so that was... I didn't like that at all, honestly. The tweet was, and again, this is from somebody who's been sharing information about like these meetings or whatever, so they're considered to be a reputable source of sorts. Mm -hmm. But this is an opinion tweet. The tweet was, every fucking person who signed this letter should be ashamed of themselves. I actually thought her safety was compromised. She manipulated a narrative about her safety to cover the fact that she used Black Lives Matter Global Network money to purchase a million dollar home. This is sick, girl. Person. Stop it. So... (laughs) I, I saw yeah. I saw your mother when you did that, girl. No, stop. <laughs> That's why I laughing. Yeah, I just like again the critique is fine. Yes, the crit- it's yep. nothing wrong with the critique. Mm-hmm. It's just like how how can we how can we say that she used Black Lives Matter Global Network money? Like how can we affirm that? And why are we saying that this black person who was the face of a lot of things for a lot of people is now not unsafe? There were mad comments on that dirt article about the the home. There were mad, mad comments from yes. white folks talking about, oh, this person who claims to be so marginalized is actually is buying a home. I thought she was too marginalized to, as a black person yeah, to be able to afford anything. Da-da-da. It was mad. White on people, all these articles, yes. it was mad white people saying wild, reckless shit yeah. like this. So it's dangerous. It's not cool. There was an interview she did actually recently with Mark 
Mark Lamont Hill on um I don't know if it's his news nah. network on YouTube. I it's don't know not what his, it is, but, but it's some I don't know. I'm just realizing there's lots of black networks on YouTube that didn't know existed. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. right. So, so this black news network on YouTube, she did this interview with Mark Lamont Hill and kind of talked about a lot of the accusations and talked about the experience with the homes and shit like that. She talked about the other roles and jobs that she's had and why she was able to afford to buy what she had or whatever. I think it's funny when they bring up the Atlanta house and talk about how it had a landing pad. And I'm like, the gag is right. The joke about Atlanta, especially that, for New Yorkers, is yes. that if you lose your job, move, move to Atlanta. Atlanta. And you, you can buy a house. Like, like, you could... Exactly. That's what it is. That's the joke. Okay. So, people keep talking about how she got this airplane fucking landing pad. <laughs> I feel like if you and me put our coins... We put our Patreon together do, right now. We could, we could move too. to Atlanta and get a fucking landing pad. That was the thing, We might too. not be able to eat, but we could get that. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that was weird to me, too. I'm like... That's the that has always been whatever the appeal was supposed to be to Atlanta is that you get more mm. for your buck. Like mm. that house with the helipad yeah. or whatever the fuck costs way less than that fucking simple ass one point four million dollar house with the tree mm-hmm. house that's supposed to be the, the, right. the that's a fucking tree house. It's just not on a tree. It is. <laughs> I love how mad you're at that. You are this because they was really yeah. like luxury. Oh, they, they gasped. It. I thought I was Compound. gonna like see yeah. some shit and i'm like my mother's house is bigger than this that's so funny and in that tree house yeah on the ground yeah that on the <laughs> tree house, that's hilarious <laughs> yeah i think that i don't know if the houses might be in in georgia and not atlanta but anyway that's yeah, the yeah, joke yeah, yeah, is yeah. that you can go out there in and georgia. live like a king yeah, yeah, right that's the joke mm-hmm. so right so she does this interview with mark lamont hill they talk about everything i thought it was a really good interview that he asked her about the uh, there were there were two things that she said that i think were not answered great there was the question about mike brown senior asking for 20 million Mm dollars um for ferguson activists and like we discussed on the previous episode that request was made so she met with mike brown senior and they discussed it and came to a resolution that did not involve giving money. Mm-hmm. And so in this interview, they talk about that and her response to, to, to me, it was like, okay, well, why not? I'm not, I, if you have a reason for why you didn't want to give them 20 mil or whatever, like tell us what, what was it the is. Reason? Like this is a good time what was to say reason? what was the reason. <laughs> Right. This is a good time. I could imagine a few reasons in my head, but I would love for you to tell us. And her response was just like, kind of like Black Lives Matter Global Network is not a charity. No, I don't know if that was her response to that question. It was. It was. Okay. Black Lives Matter Global Network is not a charity. They are a power building think tank, think tank or organization. Mm -hmm. And that Mike Brown and other people should be looking to the government. Like, that's who the issue is with. The government did this. The state is killing their children or whatever. It was not a good answer because it just reminded me that, like, there's a lack of understanding of what people are complaining about. And the issue is that you are benefiting, right? The impression is that you are benefiting from the death, whether it be financial gain or whether it be social clout or opportunities. Like, a part of the reason why she was able to sign a multi-platform deal with Warner fucking television group mm-hmm. a part of the reason is because of her position within the movement because people adults children are being murdered by police yeah. and so it is not out of bounds it is not to me it is not charity for 
Mike Brown Sr. or a, a, a family member or activist within this movement. It is not out of bounds. It's not charity to ask for support from this organization who is the money has been filtered through to this organization because a lot of people didn't know where to send money, where yeah. to send help. So, yeah, to me, that's not charity. And I really wish she would have said we are still considering the best way mm-hmm. to distribute this money or I don't, you know, we really have to determine what is what amount makes sense because there are names, there are kids, there are children, there are black people who have been murdered all across the nation whose names we will never know. You know what I'm saying? So like how do you decide who get like there was I wish she had said something, but the the thing of like it was very like, well, we didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we didn't we didn't and this is me just giving my impression. This is not like I'm not paraphrasing, it's not what she said, but to me it was giving we didn't do it. We didn't kill your child. We, you know, we're, don't come to us. We're not a charity after receiving lots of charity. Yeah. It's yes, kind of weird exactly. after receiving that charity to be sense. like, we're not a charity. Yeah. It's weird. Another it's weird. thing that, um, for me, with this interview that I didn't like about her answer is, Mark Lamont, this is a paraphrase, but when he asked about Mike Brown Sr. and Tory Russell asking for this money and stuff, he did say that Mm -hmm. the money they were asking for wasn't just like, because we need this, like, we have had people right. doing labor for free. We we would like mm-hmm. de- we owe people. Like people have been doing mm-hmm. this work for free, and they should not be doing this work for free. So it's mm-hmm. if you are a Marxist, <laughs> if right. you are to- if right. you are a person who is supposed to be caring about labor and and dismantling white, I mean dismantling capitalism specifically in this mm-hmm. way, that answer is fucking ridiculous. Especially okay. if the question. If the reason why they're saying we need this money is because we want to make sure that we pay people for their labor and you say, well, mm-hmm. I'm not a fucking charity. Are you actually yeah. in alignment with the whatever the fuck you're telling us you right. are? Like, that's the problem. Like, I, I don't understand someone in your community telling you they need support and you translate that as charity, charity, charity. Yeah. Charity yeah. was what that white guilt money was for. When your community mm-hmm. asks you for fucking support to pay people for their labor, you how does that go into your brain and be interpreted as them asking for charity? So that's where yeah. my problem when it comes to her and this, it arises from that. Because you say you are a Marxist. You say that when it comes to, yes, I understand. I'm a person who's anti-capitalist, right. but also have to live in capitalism. So I understand our duality. But that right there specifically shows me that you do not actually care about paying people for their labor, which mm-hmm. is not in alignment with whatever any basic understanding of any Marxist fucking idea. So I mm-hmm. don't think that's what you do no more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I don't think that's what you do anymore if your answer right. was and and I, I didn't like I left that interview feeling like uncomfortable but I didn't quite know why but when I re-listened to part two yeah. and he specifically says what's his name Mark Lamont Hill specifically says this is not even just money that they feel like Mark they should have mm-hmm. they you know this is word for it that I can't remember but it means to pay people for their labor that's the mm-hmm. language specific language Mark Lamont Hill used right. and then your answer was we're mm-hmm. not we're a think tank we're this we're not a charity the motherfuckers yeah. is asking you for money to pay people for their labor. And that's your fucking answer. I don't that think that that's that the Marxist answer. Yeah, so I do question weird. 
this 90 million and how she's going about that, I do not think she stole mm. it to buy a house. But you need to pay right. people for what the fuck they're doing. Right. That's right. that's the right. thing. That's that's I would I would mm-hmm. I would love for that to be what the argument is. That's what we're suspicious right. about. That's what we're critiquing. That's what we're requiring the accountability for and not like mm-hmm. some house that's over there that could easily be from any of those other motherfucking jobs. I need these other people right. to be paid. Yeah. Like, let's push the conversation over there. That one, to me, that makes more sense. It's a more solid mm-hmm. argument. You can literally be like, that argument, when they try to question her ideas of Marxism, that seems like a more mm-hmm. solid and valid reason to be right. like, nah, ho. Like, nah, you're not doing this shit. Yeah. Versus you yeah. have a but house issue, and a place to live. Right. But that the issue is that it's white supremacists who are pushing the argument of, of her Marxism. Mm-hmm. And it's black people who have taken on the argument of white supremacists who are pushing this argument of yep. Marxism and connecting it to the house. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, whenever I think of a black person, regardless of their politics, like, I want us to be free. I want us to live in comfortable, wide open spaces yes. and shit. Like, that's the house. That's the kind of house that I'm thinking about. Not some excessive. Shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, we would add grass, but grass. not some excessive fucking mm-hmm. shit with like rooms you don't need and extra shit or whatever. Like that's not what I imagine. But yes, the argument of her Marxist ideals would make more sense if it were connected to the way that she's either distributing or not distributing exactly this money yeah right so yeah that would i really wish she had answered those questions better or an, an answer i felt like to me or an answer, or an right. answer i felt like that's the answer you give white people who don't need to know your business but you're like at a black yeah. network sitting across from a black person you mm-hmm. could talk to us talking about why black people is mad at yeah you, like, you could talk to us something. but you was to me you yeah. was giving the cnn answer to the people who were like they not. They don't need to know our business. They not in our family. So mm-hmm. you know, like that type of thing. So I, I mm-hmm. just like girl. But I do wish yeah. that, like you said, that people didn't regurgitate the white supremacist shit because now everything is getting lost. We, there's stuff to be questioned. There's stuff to ask for accountability for. Mm-hmm. But that's not the heightened conversation because we're gonna just run with the house because that's just the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Actually, right, right. Yeah, I can't wait to get my 1.4 million dollar house. I'm gonna take a picture in every room. <laughs> I'm gonna take a picture like with my head in front of the washer dryer opener. Like, this is my washer dryer. <laughs> I do laundry in my house. <laughs> the thing yeah. is this too. The thing is this too. I gotta say this. For a lot mm-hmm. of the folks who are in organizing, who are critiquing the house, who are critiquing the money gain, mm-hmm. I see y'all. Y'all have book deals. <laughs> Y'all be on the grand front and like y'all got it. Like you're y'all not be, low. I'm, you like come on, come you're on, not low. come the you fuck on. Low. And you know what? I want you to mm-hmm. have that too. I want you to have yep. all of that shit. Yep. But like, don't act like this is not shit you want for yourself. Like you looking mm-hmm. jealous. You looking, you know, yeah. like what the fuck? Got book deals. Got mm-hmm. this. Going to school to get PhDs. What do you do with a PhD? Usually Hello. become a professor. Like she's a like. Hello. It's just like. Mm-hmm. Are you hating because you're outside of the club and can't get in? Yeah. I just yeah. I just want to know because I don't understand. The paths, as a person on the outside, just looking, mm-hmm. the path that they started at when I saw this stuff start is with where y'all starting. And it looks like where you're trying to go is the same place. Like, mm-hmm. so calm down. Yeah. I see y'all grams. I see y'all tweets. Hello. I see all of it. So, like, mm-hmm. calm down. Yeah you know i'm down let's take a break okay and when we come back we are gonna talk about dmx dog 
<laughs> Money! Do you know what this year is? What every year is all about? Yeah, but like... Giving black women your money. Yes. So Give okay. black women your money. Hashtag pay black women, yo. Okay, okay. So, so how do they... Give black women their money? Well, they can start by giving us their money. Oh, yes. Yes. We do this dope-ass Women is Race Nerd podcast every motherfucking every week. Every week. Sometimes twice um, a week. Yeah, yo. <laughs> and we could use your loving motherfucking donations. Um, we definitely can. Absolutely. So, how can you do that? You can go to our website. Yo. TeaWithQueenAndJay.com. Hit that donate tab. Mm-hmm. And we have two options there. So two! Can, two! You become a patron. Or you can just donate through PayPal. Yep. You choose. We mm-hmm. give you a choice That's right. on how you give us money. That's right. If you want to donate via Patreon, we're asking all of our listeners to break us off $2 a month. That's $24 a year. And if everybody who listens does that shit, we will have everything that we need to do everything we want to do for this podcast. Everything. And if you love us so much that you want to break us off a one-time donation, a multiple-time donation, or if you don't like the the once-a-month kind of system, you can go to our PayPal and give us any amount of money. We will take that shit. We will love that shit. We will appreciate that we shit. We will use that shit. That's right. So once again, teawithqueenandj.com. Hit the donate tab and choose your donation method of choice. Oh my God, we're going to get money. Again! <laughs> all the time. Yes. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And we're black. All the time. So we want to give a quick content warning for this conversation about DMX. We acknowledge that there are people who do not fuck with DMX yep. on any level. And so we uh, respect and acknowledge your feelings. We know that niggas are problematic and that's niggas in a gender neutral kind of way. We know they can be problematic. And so we acknowledge that he was harmful and problematic to a lot of people. We are going to have a conversation about DMX and our experience being black girl New Yorkers from the Bronx mm-hmm. and and growing up with Rough Riders and DMX as a part of our like coming into adulthood or like girlhood or whatever the fuck experience. So mm-hmm. just saying that for now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that. So DMX passed recently. Again, like I said before, we grew up as DMX fans. We went to the Rough Riders reunion tour back in 2017 and talked about it on the podcast. We referenced DMX and Rough Riders a few times, I would say a year on the podcast. Yes. We talk about yes. something DMX or Rough Riders related because it's just a part of like who we are. It's a part of us culturally. Mm-hmm. So we have feelings about the dog. Queen, what are some of your thoughts on DMX, his life, his passing, or like where you're at right now? The loss of the dog. I'm actually feeling better about it. It's been some time, mm-hmm. but um, right. I've always been a really, yeah, I'm a DMX fan. It's hard for me to say I'm a fan of things, so that's, hard that's to what say. that pause was. <laughs> it is. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard I was to a, say. I was, am a fan of DMX, his music, right. even him as a person. Although, like Jay said, I, all of those, all of those things, I've always acknowledged, been aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that it absolves it, but I just want to be honest that right. I um did see the whole person that was DMX, and it's not like a biased mm-hmm. kind of like love or admiration or fanhood that i have for him or whatever and shit like that Mm -hmm. but nah dmx rough riders was just like really intricate in my teenage years young adult Mm -hmm. years like like yeah and honestly dmx was one of those rappers who reminded me of the guys in my neighborhood like dead ass so like yes it was mad rappers out but like he still as a rapper was just like the guy from down the hall 
from me. Like, yeah. still very mm-hmm. relatable. Still very, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just something, like, very, very different. It's just something about other rappers that when they got to a certain point, they seem untouchable. Like, I couldn't, like, mm. f- physically reach out my hand and touch them anymore. Where DMX mm-hmm. just never lost that for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm from uptown. So, bikes, all of that shit, Rough yeah. Riders culture. I-, I dated this boy when I was a teenager just because he was on a Rough Riders street team. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was cute and stuff or right. whatever. But like, it was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. It was like when one, one of Eve's album came out and it was like mad rough riders okay. on my high school. And it was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get me one of these niggas. My stepbrother actually was signed to Rough Riders. Oh, I word. forgot that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a, a common story. If you're from uptown, everybody's stepbrother was signed to Rough Riders. But yeah, that was like a thing. I knew so much signed to not Rough Riders, Murder Inc. Somebody in New York always knows okay. somebody signed to like one of these. Yes. Things. Right. But right, right. Um, yeah, it was just, I have mad dances to DMX songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really, really, really enjoyed DMX. I was sad that he passed. It was kind of one of the few times where I kind of like felt it. Usually I'm like, damn, that's messed up. Mm-hmm. And I could kind of go on about my day. Like I actually yeah. like cried was playing music mm. and you know me i don't be really doing shit like that i could kind of just yeah. be like mm, whatever let me get to work and it was like mm. i kind of can't like i lost somebody today he don't know me <laughs> but i right. felt like i lost somebody today um but i'm better now mm-hmm. it's you know it's fine yeah it's sad that they couldn't come to terms with their addiction right. um and i know that because they had so much that person's life was so layered with so much shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that i don't mm-hmm. even think that they ever could have or would have because yeah it's a lot you know right yeah right right yeah i decided i wasn't gonna engage with it Mm -hmm. i was just like not it's still to me it's still like an unbelievable kind of thing Mm -hmm. that he's passed away i watched a bunch of well it was like four was it four or five episodes or whatever bet last year did this rough riders chronicles Mm -hmm. and so i watched that as like a documentary of the rough riders which was heavily based on dmx and like he was the foundation for that shit so most of that documentary series centers around him or whatever so i've been watching like a lot of clips of dmx and shit um and he just I loved his personality. So much of his personality came out in his work. Yeah. Um, which I really loved. I loved the storytelling nature of his rap. I loved that it was so relatable to every like we all say that i love my baby mother i never never let her go like we all say that because Mm -hmm. it's in a tone that we're all familiar with it's a certain kind of this kind of degrading mockery that most of us from certain places are familiar with or whatever but like the storytelling nature of (laughs) right right we've all we're all we're familiar with all of that stuff all of this is like things that we have heard before yeah. especially if you're from new york. york because it's in this new york tone yeah. and energy or whatever so yeah so he was a complicated person as most people are and i really just related to him as a person and it's sad that this is like around the age where we lose people where we lose mm-hmm. you know popular black men or celebrity black men um black rob passed away recently yeah. he's 51 mm-hmm. so it's just you know it's really upsetting also watching that rough riders chronicles i didn't know that he got like put onto drugs like by accident and mm-hmm. you know was addicted for pra- practically you know, since he was a teenager yeah. like yeah it was it was just like a lot a lot to process also seeing that 
like the family that ran Rough Riders for most of his career before Rough Riders kind of ended were like protecting him or like making sure because he was constantly battling his addiction, keeping them close to him, making sure that he was okay. And, you know, again, I'm not in it. I don't know them personally or whatever, but that's what I got from Mm -hmm. the documentary. And um, yeah, I just thought that that was interesting that when he was closest to them, it seemed like he was most okay in terms of the way that his addiction was playing out. But anyway, it was interesting. It's sad that he is no longer with us, but I really did enjoy what he added to hip hop, what he added to the culture of Mm. like black New York shit when I was growing up and yeah yo fucking DMX I do have one regret I regret not relishing in his amazing bone structure more when he was here like (laughs) I'm like cause I'm like cause like in the past few weeks we've been hyper we've been seeing him a lot and I'm just like Mm. you see his you see those cheekbones you see the Mm-hmm. He had a really well, nice fucking bone fake structure that I never. I always, I always found him attractive. A lot of my exes kind of do look like DMX because I do have like this New York kind of. You see, like you know these mm-hmm. people I be dating. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm just looking and I'm like, it'd be, Dang. The, it'd be the same looking dude every single time. It'd be, the same, <laughs> it'd be the same dude. I didn't know that, but it'd be the same dude. The ones from here, not the mm-hmm. other ones. Nah, he kind of look like them too. Mark didn't look like him. True. And Mike True. didn't look like him, but you never really seen Mike. No, I did see that picture. You're right. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. It was just right. really just Jamal. <laughs> Everyone else. And Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal and Kareem. <laughs> but, um. Right. Everyone else. It's <laughs> but, um, you think this one too? You think the current one too? I haven't seen his whole face, okay. but I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, okay. All right. So there's a type. There's a pattern. No, no. There's, there's definitely, a type. I definitely, definitely right. a type. They're pint size. They're similar in complexion. And I, I couldn't see enough of his face because we're in COVID times. He's wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's true. That's true. Everything else seemed on brand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely have a type. If you Even mm-hmm. if you see people from my past that you just know their name and you've never seen them, they, they look like that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I wish that I had expressed... You know, I recently discovered, like I said, a few libations ago that I like have to relish mm-hmm. in Whoopi Goldberg's cheekbones more because I wasn't mm-hmm. doing that and she deserves that. So I'm going to do that. And I wish I could have provided that for DMX as well. So that is one of my yeah. regrets. I think that belly is kind of an ode to DMX's bone structure. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that is uh, that work of art exists as that a celebration of the DMX bone structure. A lot of those shots, the baby oil that we always condemn because it's ridiculous, but yes. the baby oil on the dark skin highlighted those cheekbones. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was that. I do wish that he did more acting. Mm-hmm. I think his addiction played a role into like why that couldn't really happen. Yeah. Cause <laughs> that's a risky contract. Uh, right. I'm <laughs> laughing because he worked with, I think, according to the documentary, Joe Silver. Joe Silver is like, I love him, signed him to a fucking three picture deal. And he would like blow days just like not showing up. It's like money lost on the set. He yeah. just was like doing what he wanted to do. So, yeah, but I do wish that we got more of, of him acting. I did enjoy him on screen. I did get tired of him praying all the time, even though I know a lot of people enjoyed it. I didn't. I did grow weary of that. I'm not mad at it when I watch doc- the documentaries now and I see it in context of like his his larger story. 
it's cool but i remember growing up it was like like okay you pray everybody prays like, <laughs> for me what? it was just like i don't really i okay, a lot of people pray <laughs> for me i don't really like to be a part of people's pain and it was like why are you making me be a part of right. this <laughs> yeah why am i involved yeah, i don't want to be a part why of the. Involved? i don't want to be a yeah. part of the process you know i also used to feel like like the way that they would film him praying or doing spoken word and videos it was like look this nigga prays like we were supposed to be shocked yeah that a man like him was praying so that always rubbed me funny yeah. i was like listen niggas pray and he stop kinda, leave me alone kind of just pray anywhere anytime <laughs> like just, mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. just but pray. It was, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he definitely held a special place, I think, in our hearts. We went outside back years ago when outside was open. Remember we, outside? Well, not years ago, but remember, remember it? Live it was shows a whole thing. And concerts and shit. All kind of shit, yo. We went to a lot of music festivals, Afropunk, Governor's Ball. We loved that yeah, shit. But in the spring of 2017, we took it indoors for what we described as a black ass family reunion, also known as the Rough Riders reunion concert. By that time, DMX had like a long history of dealing with a lot of shit. So as far as we were concerned, there was no telling whether he would even show up to that fucking reunion. Like I remember buying my ticket knowing that if DMX doesn't show up, I'll be okay. Like he's skipped bigger events. Like, (laughs) like we, he missed whole entire, they'd be publicizing for weeks that he was going to be at the fucking VMAs not show up (laughs) two years in a row not there so i would not be surprised if he did not show up for that reunion concert but he did show up and we had a good fucking time like the young old niggas that we are we almost (laughs) didn't talk about it on the podcast because or i didn't necessarily i had mixed feelings about whether we should talk about what we saw in that arena or not because of the love that i have for dmx is like should we tell everybody that he was on stage we gotta be real about our love okay we gotta be real yeah about it yeah and this is what it it is yeah 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 but it was a good fucking time regardless we were entertained and amused and it was worth talking about it was a bronx night remy had recently come home remy ma she had recently come home from prison and we were still fucking with her like we were still super excited to see her everywhere this was before she had time to say wild problematic shit about rape culture right yeah yeah but she was there swiss beats was there queen's friend kareem was there the whole bronx What's his name? What's his name? No, the the Moroccan from the Bronx. You're from. Oh, what's his name? His rap name? I forgot. I don't remember either. Fresh Montana. He gets on my nerves. Right. I also have a thing against the the name Kareem, but (laughs) okay. All right. All right. That's something you said, Um, and I was like, what? No, French Montana was there. The whole Bronx was there. There was a smoky haze in the air. We fucking loved it. We had a great time. So we're going to play a little bit of our conversation from 2017, recapping the Rough Riders reunion show with DMX. We want to give a quick content warning. Back in 2017, we were still saying words like crazy. We were still using language like stupid to describe things. Um, So we, of course, since then, those terms are, well, they have always been ableist. But since then, we are more active about the language that we use and try not to be ableist so quick that's a content warning for use of those words in this clip and run that beautiful bean footage <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to 2017 <laughs> t with queen j 
Libations to the Rough Riders Mm -hmm. because I had a really great nostalgic time. And I remember the episode where we spoke about our black, now well, our black joy, all of our joy is black joy. But we spoke about how we cope with having this show and or always cope with talking about heavy issues right, and right, still right. how do we maintain these safe spaces in our mind, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned nostalgia and how I go back to a lot of nostalgic things. Like I said, how I revisited Destiny's Child's Writing on the Wall album, like just stuff like that mm-hmm. that I've been doing a lot lately. Like I listen to mad music from when I was in high school because it brings you back to a space where I didn't have to pay bills. Like, the, my most stress was that my mother wasn't gonna let me go somewhere right, you know like oh, the right. simple simpler times mm-hmm, simpler mm-hmm. fucking times yeah. so I do that a lot and it's easy to do that with music so to go out at a concert mm-hmm. and be able to have that space was like amazing mm-hmm. and I'm just like it was just so dope for her to provide that for me right, right, it was right. fucking amazing mm-hmm. for me I'm glad that was amazing for you but that's great um, I did have some grievances before you get to grievances, <laughs> let me let me knock my libations out because okay. I have some grievances too. Okay. So yeah, so my libations again. Shout out to Reggie for coming to, with me in the clutch. I appreciate you. I loved seeing black folks of all ages and like everybody was fucking there. It was everybody. a fucking family reunion. Like yes. every, like people, I was like, yo, haven't we all been driven out of New York? Where did y'all come from? Yeah, everybody was there. All the hair in the world was there, yep. which I love. All types of hair all was the out. Outfits. All the wigs, all the outfits. All the like fashion times because it was, all the fashion eras were there. Like, yes, people showed up in their Rough Rider shirt. I'm like, y'all still got Rough Rider, Rider shirts? shirts? I seen people with Rough Rider leather vests. Yes, I saw, yo, with the actual mo- Rough Rider yes. motorcycle jackets. Oh, man. My <laughs> heart was full. My heart was fucking full. <laughs> Oh, I was like, this is what's up, yo. People were happy to see each other. It just looked like it was a good time. It was fucking smoke in the air. It was just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, there was that. The dude behind me was just excited to see DMX at some point. Mm-hmm. The whole night. Where's the fucking dog at? Bring out the dog. I can't. I waited all day to see the dog. So first it was exciting. He was like excited, and then he was like getting progressively angry. He's like, he was drinking libations. Right. He was drinking libations. <laughs> he came to see the fucking dog, and we were all talking about the dog, yo. And just yeah, like, but it's a rough riders concert. The dog is gonna be last. The dog for sure. <laughs> right. Like, we know he's gonna be last. But like, but listen, he didn't come there for the bullshit. Bring out the fucking. Should have came dog. later. Like, bring out the, the fucking dog. I don't know. Later. Um, um, but yeah, it was also nice the way everybody like in the audience before DMX came out was talking about the dog. Like yeah. he's a big fucking deal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And just like you could just hear the love in everybody's voice because, mm-hmm. you know, you're there. We were there at the concert for a long time. There were little breaks or whatever. People talking to each other and stuff. Yo, people were just excited. I felt like I was at there. Like it was New York. Yes. It was like a big ass fucking family cookout. It was great. That's how I felt about it. Was, it. it was really, really, it was a beautiful thing, yo. I want to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so. <laughs> what? I thought it was crazy that the Rough Riders opening act was oh no the bartenders and the bartenders are a street that's on brand a street yeah it was Uh but it was just like it's like the street 
workout team and they have YouTube videos where right. they work out in the park right. and shit. Right, right. But it was just like, wait, it was on brand, yep. but it was like, yo, they really did this They work shit. out in like the, the park, they work out here. on the construction Sites. poles Yeah, the poles shit. and yep, shit. It yep, was just like, yep. yo, they brought the hood on the stage. It was great. Uh, when Swiss got on, he was saying, you know how hard it was to put this shit together? And I looked at Reggie, I was like, looks like it was pretty easy. You know, y'all didn't set up the fucking Jumbotron. No, it was broken. It's, That's why. Um, oh, get out of here. Yeah, you didn't hear um, Kid Capri. He was like, I was supposed to be DJing out there. And you're supposed to see me on the Jumbotron. But they have problem with, they had was issues with Capri? the shit. Yeah. Oh, I they had know. issues I with the, the shit. They had issues with the shit. Get so out. fuck them and they Jumbotron. Yo, they was cursing out the Barclays people good. the whole night all right well i feel i feel good because honestly i was like this is yeah, how that's they why. feel about yeah us? that's what happened something was okay. ha- up with the jumbotron okay. that night that's Kikapri unacceptable but they didn't even tell nobody we wouldn't know if kick Capri didn't say it right, and yell right, at them motherfuckers. right 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 okay i feel better yeah I, I must that's have what happened in the bathroom that's or what happened him. also right you're right because i didn't even know it was kick Capri, and i love me some kick Capri. <laughs> he said it bad times he started scratching kick kick Capri, kick 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 no nope. i was like i was i had no you know oh, that and song the, you know that biggie the, song where it says he says on the dj something yeah, 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 yeah. right he, he dragged the kick Capri i was in the bleachers i wasn't given an experience mm-hmm. i was in the bleachers <laughs> <laughs> okay i was way up there and the sound was bad up there so it was not oh, only wow. like the jumbo tron but the sound was i was like shit i at least expected the jumbotron to be yeah, on that's what and happened. i could just interpret was, the sound was, and shit on my own i was like yo this is crazy it it's funny i ran into rita who was one of the one of our like donors or whatever uh-huh. i saw rita there and we both looked at each other and she was like we could have got better seats but it's rough riders why we're mm-hmm. not gonna yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it was like we all love them we'll show up but we're not gonna we're just gonna sit up here it's, it's <laughs> we don't need to be that close it's fine uh-huh. um but yeah go ahead you were shitting um, on them yeah so no i wasn't shitting on them i was saying how the bartenders was like oh right so on brand. right very I like brand. when that's why i like it was like family shit yeah like, yeah yeah yeah. You, you if you were there you got it right like if you I are a fan say, you got it you yeah. got it so i would have liked to see a motorcycle situation. I would have liked to see an actual motorcycle. I would have, but I don't. You saw how the whole projects would be on the stage every time someone performed. Yeah, that couldn't happen. Yeah, yeah you're like right. they would dead ass be the whole fucking River Park Towers you're on right. the fucking stage. You're right, I did. The only person who didn't have a crowded stage like that was Eve, because she was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, no, I'm not right. having this. I don't really have to be here. My husband is a she looked amazing. Trillionaire. She looked amazing. I, just, I was glad she like, was there. Yeah, I was, I was too. I was too. I was glad she. But I realized. Yes. Say it. Go ahead. Are you gonna say what I'm I was? I wasn't in love with the song she yes. was doing. Yeah. I'm like these not the Rough Rider songs. Right. These are your aftermath songs. Right. I want Haiti shit. Exactly. That's how I felt. Yeah. I didn't like any of that shit. It, it reminded <laughs> me of that. Like I always loved Eve, but I never liked that. Like yeah, I liked that, Rough that Riders Eve. I right. wasn't into. But I will say that when I was doing, I was thinking, I was like, oh shit, she did this shit before Nikki. Like she did that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no one talks about her. no one talks about Eve pioneering or doing Ever. anything. She did that shit. She Ever. did that hip hop pop woman mm-hmm. transition. Mm-hmm. that i had never seen before mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. she kind of paved that yeah. way yeah she did, um, she did. and no one no one talks about her doing things her hot boys verse is fucking iconic yo yes i love that verse it's I, great no by heart i was rapping it with her ah, it's great and then it also kind of what we were talking about when we went to the um the little kim versus uh foxy brown party, party and yeah. how they played at a certain time when they weren't playing little kim and foxy whoever the djs were decided that we're gonna play music for women 
this is what women want. And they played a bunch of bullshit. Like, we all like women in the house to hear Little Kim and they Foxy. City High and shit. Oh my God. This is the torture. This is what y'all think of us? Yeah. This is fucking torture. Anyway, yeah, so it made me think of how Missy and like that Hot Boy song mm-hmm. is still, she's singing Hot Boys. It's still cute and fun, but like motherfuckers are rapping on this yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, that's how you make a song. That's yes. how a woman makes a song for women. That's like, that's what I want to hear. All them other Eve songs. What are the hooks? on any of those Aftermath Eve songs. What is any of that I shit? Just, what is any just of that shit? Body, that's it. It's so fucking stupid. Weird singing. Yeah, weird. I was like, wow, this is not the Rough Riders shit, this though. This is terrible. So here's the, here's the other gag, okay? They're all there, right? The fucking Rough Riders are there. <laughs> <laughs> not once did they, they perform together because they don't like each other no, they can't once. like each other they did all the songs with all the posse cuts they just did them during their own individual yeah, sets because they are they, they probably what the can't. fuck not one y'all couldn't do one thing together what the fuck nope it was, it was strange anyway. that was strange mm-hmm. What else? What else? What else? What else? The locks. I enjoy the locks. I thought it was nice how they gave Sheik a lot of stage time, even though we don't really know a lot of <laughs> Sheik songs. That was really nice of you, locks. Oh my God, yo, you shit on Sheik so much. I'm just saying. Right. I was like, oh, they're giving him all the microphones. Oh, you hate him so much. I don't even you don't hate, hate him. him. You just it's like, just... but you're actively, you're like, there's this popular tweet. Uh, I don't know who who tweeted it, but Jerobi from um, Tribe Called Quest retweeted it and like mm. made T-shirts and shit. Where it's like Jerobi is so irrelevant. <laughs> um, that's not that's like yeah, that's your yeah, chic movement. Because I'm like that's your chic and I'm like movement. look at them. That is that is that He's is a group. in the group. All right, I know that, but they have him on. Like he was on stage doing mad shit. Right. He didn't him. do mad shit. They love on the, the records on on yeah. the, that we heard on the radio. Nah, he's just the cute one. No, but I like that they if did that. I pick. like that they did. Yeah, that. they love each other. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that was that was like love. That was uh-huh. love. I like how you talked about it like it was charity. <laughs> Terrible. It's, it's kind of like when Beyonce started letting Kelly sing things. Right. <laughs> like, Yo, you could man. get a virus girl. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh. Like but yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed that. Uh-huh. That was nice. You know what? My body told me, and I'm glad my body was wrong. Okay. I was like, I prayed. I prayed that Alicia Keys didn't come out. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was praying. Would that not have ruined the night? Yes. Yeah. I was like, please don't have her yeah. come out. Because she was in that song with Eve. Yeah, there were a lot of opportunities. It was t- yeah, that she could fucking come, come out, out and ruin my life. Right, 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 right. It didn't happen. By the grace of God. Ooh. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nobody Come needed on. that. Nobody needed that. Oh, gosh, I really prayed. Nobody needed that. So my thoughts on the dog, I'm not going to go full throttle. I just uh-huh. wanted to, before him coming out. So in my mind, I didn't, when they had him on the bill, I was like, it didn't even cross my mind because of all the things that he's been through. It didn't cross my mind that they would actually have him close the show. Even though that's the natural order of things, in my head, I was like, can he do this? like i want to see him i'm excited but i'm also prepared for him not to show up yeah but i was looking at reggie i was like listen if this nigga doesn't show up it's gonna be a fucking riot okay we gotta we gotta so many rough riders in the building there will be a fucking riot and we've gotta like really think about our exit strategy okay because i I like a riot but i don't not this one i don't want to be too many things that can go wrong but it's because Mm -hmm. 
I've been learning that she's similar to you. Like she has a plan. Right. She wanted to get there mad early. We got there no. at like seven fifteen. She said here. I wanted to see what everything looks like with Aww. the lights was on. So we could, and I was like, oh, I could get with that. That's I like cute. your thinking. Okay, okay. It makes sense. So uh-huh. we kind of had right. that going on. I was tired because we were there for a really long yes, time. Yes, yes, yes. But um, it made sense and it made me think of you. Like Jay would have did this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not for Rough Riders though. <laughs> Reggie was like, let's meet at seven. I was like. How about <laughs> we meet at Starbucks at seven thirty? We'll have a nosh, okay, and then and then we'll stroll in. Yeah, so it was cool. Um, yeah, so I was like, can the dog do this? Uh, he 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 did it. Yeah, um, he did something. Do you wanna, or are we gonna um, just keep it amongst family? No, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Say it. Okay. This is out there. People record everything. I know, but part um, of me would felt like, yo, let's just keep this in the stadium. I'll describe it the way I describe it to people at work today. Okay. I was like, I feel like I was at the cookout, and I was just watching like the drunk uncle who just always does this. Yeah. Um, you still enjoy him. Oh, I wish I didn't um, know exactly this feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I know this feeling. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You kind of just let him do him. Right. Um, He's not harming anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't let him do you his just thing. just let him rock yeah, out. Yeah, yo. But like the way I um described, okay, he'll do a song so you'll fall in love, mm-hmm. right? Then I think after the song, he had to say a prayer because yeah. he had to, I don't know. Yeah. So he'll say a prayer and then he'll like fucking sexually harass a woman in the audience to talk about his dick yeah while dancing like your drunk uncle at the yes cookout. he dances like a drunk uncle yeah. so he'll do all of that and he'll, then you're like feeling awkward and like what the fuck is going on yeah then they do a song you love again and then you'll forget yeah yeah <laughs> right all of that shit. but there was a time when he did a song that nobody knew i, I think it was a text new song. Jay. yeah i knew jay was near me i knew that yeah. yes chanel was with me but it was like, i need someone to right. be like yeah and i did have all the fun facts for the evening mad people <laughs> strangers leaned in and like who's that <laughs> Like, oh, that's MLP. Who's that? Oh, oh that's Cassidy. yeah, I was. Yeah, Who's I was that? knowing the right, only person right, right. I didn't get right away was Cassidy. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about how Akon was there and nobody cared? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one, no one cared. <laughs> it was just, and it looked like a cab driver. Right. Like, oh, just, that's harsh. <laughs> that's harsh. He did. He wasn't. He cab still had on clothes. the same white linen outfit that we seen right, him in when right. he sang the I looked. Up, so. I was like, wait. That's Akon. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, that's Akon. And I then was I was like, wait, is that Akon? And everybody looked and they're like, I don't know. And then finally he started and like for real nobody cared. And it didn't help that the locks also seemed not to care. It yeah. Was, it was not good. I, heard, like, the, I was like, oh, shoot, that's Akon. I felt sad. And I like got up and then I was like, oh. I felt sad for him. But He's anyway. a fucking quadrillion billionaire. That's right. <laughs> that's true. He's fine. He He's fine. <laughs> he is good. You're right. With his mini wives. And he stood, he just stood in the same spot. Like he just sang from there. He didn't move. He didn't. He doesn't. Why? Why yeah. do I need to do this? Yeah, you're right. I'm here for my friends. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You guys good? All right. All I'm right. going to go back. Go back. I'm going to go back. He now. fucking teleported to the fucking yeah. stage because he has enough money to do that. You're right. That. You're right. I didn't see him walk off. Did no. you see him walk off? No, he just appeared yeah. and then vanished. And then Vanished. Right. Like, that's what the right. fuck happened. Okay. So yeah, the dog. Yeah, it was it was weird. And then he um 
I heard him say he was ending. I heard him say this is my final prayer. He did. Not he did. He, he might have said that. He but said I, this is his final prayer. He said the prayer. I didn't know if he meant in life <laughs> or just like this is my final prayer and then I'm going to do another song. He said this is my final prayer. And end this properly after, like a, with a fucking song. Like how you end a fucking reunion concert with a fucking song. No. This is DMX. Oh this gosh. is the dog. That's also, people were leaving. So yeah, by the time, my homeboy was there. Shiny, yeah. I text him like, "What are you doing after?" He's like, "Oh, I left already." I right? Like, yeah, people who the homie who was waiting for the dog all day. He left too. He left too. He was heartbroken. Uh, he was like, "Yo, that's my man. He's bugging right now, but that's my man." <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> but he does a prayer. He finished the prayer. He just got leave. He left. He just left. Not thank you. Not nothing just left and we would the people who were still there were like yo what's happening right yeah, now yeah that's what Chanel was like what happened I said oh he said I was just found the prayer she was like when right <laughs> it was weird it was it was very strange it was very he awkward he delivered the benediction and he walked off like bruh I will say that this concert experience has taught me how much I have learned about I guess privilege the privileges I have okay. because that stadium is not adequate for people with disabilities right. and I was so irked by it right. like I was like all of these fucking stairs mm-hmm. I'm sure they have elevators mm-hmm. but in my whole section I only seen one spot where you could put a wheelchair wow. and not everyone who is disabled is in a wheelchair so mm-hmm. what other kind of accommodations do you mm-hmm. have for somebody to right. sit you know like yeah. whatever like yeah. I'm like what if you only have like, the seats I was in was good seats. Those were expensive seats. What if you only had money for the $60 seats? Was there yeah. a space for you to be there? Mm-hmm. Like, I was just thinking about all of that shit. And I was like, damn, I'm, this is a different queen since, since <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah. But I was, like, annoyed by that a lot. I enjoyed that concert so much. Yo, that was fun. Even re-listening to us talk about it was fun for mm-hmm. me. Took me back. Had a good time. It was nice. And I'm happy that we were able to, like, even do that, you know? Right. You know? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't miss a lot of uh, outside things, and I respect that others miss things besides, like, for me, besides family gatherings or whatever, I am looking forward to being able to do music shit again. Yeah. Once this whole quarantine is over. I do miss that. Yeah, because that that was, like, a really cool experience. And all the the music shit that we do, like, it's usually, like, a really dope experience. So I want to be able to do that again. Where are the bartenders now, I wonder? Like, what are they up to? I don't know. I know, well, the owner, the creator, Hassan, Hassan Yasin Broadly. That's Broadly, right? I'm saying that correct. Yeah. Well, they have a gym yeah, now. I would say it like that. They have a gym now in the Bronx that's still up and running, and mm-hmm. the gym does look like park stuff. So it still has the essence of like working out and the playground and shit the like street. that. Okay. Doing all the like calisthenics. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of gym. No weights, no whatever. Can you use your body weight as the <laughs> weight? That's calisthenics. So. <laughs> It's so funny to have an opening act that's not a musical act at a music concert. (laughs) It's so funny. What's also funny is that listening to a lot of people talk about DMX, I would hear people say or see people tweet like, did DMX ever wear sneakers? Because we always saw him in Tim's. (laughs) And I feel like the bartenders be working out in Tim's. No, they do. It's just so, yeah, just so Mm -hmm. on brand. Everything was so well branded with the Rough Riders. But yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting interesting um thing yeah so if you care to follow up with the bartenders we'll have their instagram link in our show notes if you want to like catch up 
do some work on a monkey bar. I don't fucking know. We just want to make it available to you because the if black you man work is still out, out a here construction doing site. it. Still <laughs> doing it. Want you to, you know, we want you to have access to it. Still doing it. I think we did a motherfucking show. We definitely did a motherfucking show. Be sure to follow us on the social meds. We are on Instagram and Twitter at T with QJ. Please follow us. We are also on Facebook and Tumblr. Follow us there. Visit our website, twithqueenandj.com. That's where you can do all the things like donate. Send us T-mail because we love that. Twithqueenandj at gmail.com is where you can do that. You can also follow me on the social meds. My Instagram and Twitter is at the Queen Speaks with an underscore. Jay, tell them who you are and where they can find you. You can follow me at Janicia F. That's J-A-N-I-C-I-A-F. And you can follow me. Um, yeah, I'm there on Twitter and Instagram, yo. That's where I'm at. Oh, and I... Why would you tell them? You'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. Well, I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast was created, hosted, and produced by a black girl named Janicia and a black girl named Naima with editorial support from a black girl named Candace. Tea with Queen and Jay. We turn up responsibly. And, and I fear that what I'm saying won't be heard until I'm gone. But it's all good. Because I really didn't expect to live long. So if it takes for me to suffer, for my brother to see the light, come on, give me back the light time. But please, Lord, see the man. Put your X's out. X, good one. X, good one. I love you. 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 I